aggression. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Ruthless recap, episode six, I believe it is. Uh, and this is Go Home Week. We are reviewing the Go Home Raw and SmackDown uh, leading into SummerSlam 2002. I'm your host, Trent. I'm joined by the Dave Taylor to my William Regal, Damon. What's up, everybody? And the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla, Dean. Dean, how you doing? Greetings, humans. There he is. Uh, so, obviously, going to kick off with Monday Night Raw. Now get the guns, the drugs, from my generation, I'll take the fall, the saints, and I'll cross the nation, and it's a August 19, 2002, Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, we're reminded many times throughout the show that our main event tonight is Triple H taking on The Rock one last time uh, as it is being advertised. Once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime, Triple H is going to take on The Rock. And uh, Undertaker, he's coming on out. Gets a pretty good pop. Uh, he's wearing a backwards baseball hat. Uh, on top of a bandana, which I thought was pretty inspired choice. Taker comes out, he starts cutting a promo. He says he's never been one to to make his political beliefs or his political opinions public. Until now. Yeah, until, yeah. Uh, he says that he's not the poster child for an All-American. Uh, Taker says that he is just like his country. He's young, scrappy, and hungry. Just kidding. He says that he takes no shit which uh, was not uh, not censored on the network, uh, which I did not expect. Yeah, that surprised me. I, I imagine it was censored live. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, well, let some, Chuck Taylor say shit. Yo, let Chuck Taylor say shit on Dynamite. Um, we got some USA chants. Uh, Taker says uh, the crowd chanting for him makes him proud to be an American. Uh, he says only in America. Could he be who he wants to be, who he is? He says if he wants to be a tattooed, fire-breathing dragon, people would be A-okay with it. Uh, Taker says that he can do and say whatever he wants because he can back it up with his soup bones, which are his hands. And JR says soup bones about 40 goddamn times on this episode of Raw. JR really is like, and I'm not, uh, no, I don't want to say that'd be mean. I was about to say he's a mark, but no, that's not fair. But he's like really big on like the Undertaker and Stone Cold, very clearly. Oh yeah, like these te- like these Texas guys, man. Their fellow Southern boys making do. That's what he loves. Mm-hmm. Taker says that he enjoys his freedom in the good old U.S. of A. Uh, he does say that his freedoms come with a price. The men and women uh, losing their lives in the military to uh, protect our rights. He says he has respect for the vets and the people currently serving. Uh, he says he has a problem with people coming into our country and taking advantage of the freedom. And he's talking about people that aren't citizens, like the un-Americans and specifically Test. Uh, Undertaker said he isn't afraid to pledge allegiance to the flag, which I thought that was okay. Like, sure. He's it's such all- a dangerous thing to do. You got to feel safe, man. Oh, dude. I, I don't know, man. The amount of gunfire I had to block when doing the pledge at school every day. Totally crazy. You just better off sitting. Everybody leaves you alone then. That's true. Uh, Taker says that another thing he isn't afraid to pledge 
is make a pledge to everyone that he will make a statement by beating Test at SummerSlam, and he'll show others what happens when you mess with the USA. Uh, we get some more USA chants. Taker says he's not an All-American boy, but he's the All-American badass. And out comes Test. Uh, and he comes out on his own, like, moped. It's like a sports bike, and it's, like, pink. Yeah, I was, thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I don't know what Test was uh, doing here. He was acting up. Uh, he he has the upside-down U.S. flag, uh, and he walks in. He snatches that mic out of Undertaker's hand. Like, Taker did nothing about it. He just kind of let that happen. That was really ballsy of Test, too. Dude, Test said, I'm the all-American badass now. Uh, well, te- he is, he is technically North American. That's true. But un-American, but the American badass. But the all North American, Canadian, American badass. Yeah. Uh, Tess says that he thought that just America sucked, but now he realizes that the Undertaker also sucks. Taker doesn't like this. So he starts throwing those dang soup bones at Test. Uh, Christian Lance Storm come to save Test. While Book Dust, Booker T, and Gold Dust, they come out the same Undertaker. Uh, the heels, the Un-Americans, they end up losing this battle, and they powder to the outside. Uh, Storm starts waving that upside-down flag, and Booker says he knows that, quote, this gold freak, the American badass, and the WCW five-time world champion aren't done with the Un-Americans. Booker says that uh, at SummerSlam this Sunday, let me, let me try that again. He actually says that SummerSlam is this Sunday, but he wants it to start tonight on Raw. Uh, and he challenges the Un-Americans to a six-man tag. Uh, Test and Christian nod yes while Storm waves the flag. So it is seemingly official, even though uh, I don't think Bischoff ever like like officially says it's official. No, he totally never did. He just let it happen. But we're getting it anyway. And when we get to it, I'll talk about how much this match sucked. Anyway, uh, cut to commercial. And Jeff Hardy's making his entrance, uh, and there's a shit ton of people in the ring. Uh, it's Tommy Dreamer, Bradshaw, Bubba Ray Dudley, Spike Dudley, Johnny Stromboli, Crash Holly, Stephen Richards, and Terry Runnels. Uh, they're all just kind of standing in the ring. Bischoff comes out, uh, and he says that everyone's actually in the ring right now uh, for a match. And the hardcore 27, uh, 24-7 rule is no longer in effect. That rule is done. Uh, he says that everyone in the ring is a former hardcore champion. And yes, even Terry Runnels is a former hardcore champion. Uh, Bischoff says that he'll give them three minutes. Actually, he decides to change his mind and he gives them six minutes. And he says, whoever's the champion after uh, a six minute match uh, stays champion. It's kind of like a scramble match. Uh, they can do anything they want. They can go wherever they want, but they are completely banned from going anywhere near a tarp that is actually like right next to the stage and they cut to it and it's seemingly a pool uh, being covered by a tarp and we'll get to that later after what I've dubbed the hardcore six minute challenge for the WWE hardcore title uh, Terry Runnels immediately runs out of the ring and you do not see her for the rest of this match she does not even participate yo real quick this reminds me of remember and I think it was shut your mouth you could like play hardcore time limit matches that was a smackdown too no it was definitely one of the ps2 ones as well because you could like throw the trash cans like frisbees the trash can lids oh well i don't but, remember it in that game but pretty anyway, sure it was in your house 
Hell yeah, dude. I'm kidding. Was... I'm kidding. And your house had all the good matches. Yeah. yeah, it was WrestleMania the arcade game for the PS2. Uh, I will say, though, um, I, I think it's very interesting that Jeff Hardy got an entrance and Tommy Dreamer didn't. Bro, fuck Tommy Dreamer. Like, he's a ch- like usually the champion comes out last. And, oh, no. Yeah, j- j- but no, j- Jeff Hardy, though. I mean, I kind of get it, but I was also like, damn. I'm sorry, Tommy. Say, do all the ladies want Tommy Dreamer? You know, maybe they did back then. In 2002? Okay, well, maybe like in 1998, but... Oh, I don't even know about that. Uh, <laughs> Come on, Tommy Dreamer was a sexy man back then. Okay, listen, when he, when he first came to ECW, he was a good-looking guy. But then he, like, grew the goatee and started wearing a T-shirt. And then he aged about 20 years. Yeah, and he saw aged 20 years in the span of six months. Well, in fairness, nothing will ever top the sexiness of modern-day Tommy Dreamer with the polka dots and the... Now that's valid. Yeah, yeah. Can't argue that. Can't argue. Uh, so everyone is brawling. Uh, so it's really going to be impossible to name everything that goes on. I'm just going to call, like, the main spots that the camera focus on for the most part. Uh, Bradshaw and Johnny Stromboli, they double-team Tommy Dreamer. Crash is choking Spike in the corner. Uh, Bradshaw hits the clothesline from hell on Dreamer for the first fall in a title change. Right off the bat. Uh, Stromboli, he starts attacking Bradshaw. Then everyone starts attacking Bradshaw. Uh, Bradshaw gets kicked out of the ring. Steven uh, Richards follows Bradshaw out and gets hit over the head with a cookie sheet. Uh, we get some cookie sheet shots to Stromboli, Jeff Hardy, and Tommy Dreamer. Bradshaw poses and he gets out two more cookie sheets that he throws in the ring and a literal kitchen sink, which I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, he hits Steven with the actual kitchen sink. Uh, kitchen sink. The kitchen stink is a, a different move that's not wrestling, if you catch my drift. That's a, a move where Kishi's going to debut at SummerSlam. Yo, Kishi about to hit the kitchen stink, which is where he eats everything in his pantry and farts. That's a good joke. You guys like that? I, mm, I was joke, taking right? a sip. Of, I was taking a sip of my tea, and I almost spit it out. Damn it! Yeah, because it's a good joke, bro. I'm trying to hold back laughter, so I've, I've, I have uh, stripped comedy down to its bare essentials right then and there. Bare essentials. Hits he uh, hits Stephen with that kitchen sink. While uh, Dreamer hits Bubba and Spike with a cookie sheet in the ring, uh, we get a cookie sheet to Stromboli's back, and we want tables chant because, of course, they do. Uh, Dreamer begins to choke uh, Crash with Bradshaw's bull rope, which actually ends up being important. Uh, Bradshaw goes for a pile driver, it seems, on Johnny Stromboli uh, on the outside of the ring, but Steven actually hits Bradshaw with a Steven kick. Uh, Crash, after he gets choked, uh, he actually falls off the apron onto Bradshaw, getting the second fall of the match and the title. Uh, we get a cookie sheet to Steven Richards back by Bubba and a barricade tightrope walk with a broom uh, by Jeff Hardy to crash. Jeff Hardy definitely had the coolest spots in this match. So that's kind of the thing about it, though, is that, like, as you're recapping this, like, I vaguely remember most of this, but, like, the things I remember most are, like, the things Jeff Hardy did, honestly. Oh, yeah, Jeff Hardy... Even Jeff Hardy didn't even do much in this match, but he definitely had the coolest spots. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just there's such a mass of people that so much of the action kind of started to blur together. Oh, yeah, definitely towards the end, it's, like, unbearable. Like, I think it would have been... I think this match might have 
been a lot better if they had like reduced the number to like six people or so six or eight people even eight might have been too much but like six yeah. people would have been much more manageable yeah uh jeff gets a two count on crash when bradshaw breaks it up uh steven gets some punches in on bradshaw until steven richards is thrown into the steps uh, we see spike dudley starting to set up a table in the ring uh tommy dreamer is thrown into the steps by bubba bubba pushes stromboli off the top rope into the barricade and that's when jeff uh he uh does the poetry in motion like running setup off of bubba's back and then does a tope con hilo over the top rope onto johnny stromboli that was pretty cool i will accept him not doing it with matt if he does it with one of the dudleys or edra christian yeah well we'll see matt matt's doing his own thing now yeah uh, having one of the funniest fucking segments on smackdown doing superior things but we'll get to that that's true (laughs) Uh, Spike goes for the acid drop, not the Dudley dog. The acid drop is a way cooler name um, on Crash Holly, but Crash reverses and throws Spike over the top rope to the floor. Uh, Crash, he's like walking backwards and he bumps into Bubba and he turns around and he's like, I got an idea. And he tries to do the uh, Bubba get the tables type thing. Uh, But Bubba was not a fan of that. So he powerbombed Crash through the table that was set up earlier and Bubba put some stank on that power bomb. He he like really threw him down. Oh, he did. Yeah, like we were talking about earlier, Bubba always is putting the stank on things. Yeah, he's putting that kitchen stink on it. Honestly, sometimes and I I hate to say it, but sometimes I just get the feeling that he just didn't give a fuck, honestly. Uh is and it what is I, it... what I, what I mean what I mean by that is like Bubba has been known to not to be the kind of guy who works a little snug, depending on who he's working with. I'll put it that way. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because yeah, I remember uh, Rob Van Dam actually. I remember told a story about how him and Bubba really wouldn't want to back down from each other, so they would just like in like in ECW especially, they would just keep bam, bam, back and forth punches oh, over yeah. and over and over again, like hitting way harder than they probably should have been. Honestly, that is true. Uh, Dreamer uh, misses with a Singapore cane on Bubba. And Bubba does the punches and goes for that, you know, wind up, grab his crotch, the dusty elbow, the bionic elbow. Uh, But he ends up getting hit in the head with that cane. Uh, And Dreamer covers Crash for the third fall of the match and the title. Uh, Bradshaw comes in, he powerbombs Dreamer and hits the clothesline from hell on Steven Richards. Uh, Bradshaw only gets a two count when Bubba breaks up the pin. You're going to hear that phrase of someone gets a two count when someone breaks up a pin about 80 more times in this match. And this match was only six minutes. Uh, we get a bubble bomb on Tommy Dreamer for two and Bradshaw breaks it up. Spike goes to cover Dreamer, but Bradshaw uh, pulls Spike off and Spike gets thrown out of the ring. Uh, Bradshaw gets Dreamer on the top rope for a superplex, but uh, Bubba actually low blows Bradshaw and hits his own power bomb. And then uh, right after that, Bubba uh, gets that superplex on Dreamer for two count when Bradshaw is able to break it up. Uh, Spike gets a two count on Dreamer when Bradshaw breaks it up. Singapore cane shot uh, to Tommy Dreamer by Bubba Ray Dudley and another one. Uh, we get a cookie sheet to Bubba's head by Bradshaw. Two count when Bubba falls on Dreamer and Bradshaw breaks it up. I'm not going to lie. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, he's like, God damn it. We're going to do this right now. <laughs> uh, we get a one count for Bradshaw when Spike Dudley breaks it up. And this is when I noticed, where did like half the people in this match go? I like we know Terry Runnels ran out, but like Johnny Stromboli just quit showing up. Jeff Hardy just quit showing up. Steven's kind of gone. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's kind of weird when, like, like, 
sometimes in matches like that, you kind of have to accept it. But when there's that many people, it starts to get even weirder. Yeah, because nothing like that big happened to them where they'd be down for so long. Yeah, it's not like Shelton Benjamin like jumped off a ladder and took everybody out. Right, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bradshaw, Bubba, and Spike all try to get covers on Dreamer uh, just one after the other rapidly. Uh, but the time limit expires, meaning Tommy Dreamer, I guess you could say is once again champion uh, slash still champion. Well, see, that's actually something I was wondering because – does Bradshaw's momentarily, momentarily, like, uh, uh, I keep fumbling over, sorry. Does Bradshaw's pin count as him being champion for a moment or did it not count until the match was over? I almost want to look up the title history to confirm I'm that. I'm looking it up right now because part of me thinks it doesn't count for the fact that the uh, the 24-7 rule was literally just abolished. Not mm-hmm. only that, but, like, in a pin like this kind of match, like, if we want to be technical, then... Brian Kendrick was WWE champion for like five seconds. Oh, he was, he was though. He now, was now, though. Now, hold on. That's the WWE title. Okay. See, as much as I love Brian Kendrick, he was not WWE champ. No, he was, he was, he was one of the longest reigning WWE champs in that match of all time. Um, in scramble history. So fun fact real quick, as I'm on the Wikipedia page for the WWF hardcore title, uh, guess when it got retired. When Hornswoggle won it? No, I'm kidding. Uh, to, what, like 2003 or four? Uh, it's next week's Raw. Damn! <laughs> yeah. That sucks. Um, why can I not find the, the lineage? Probably because no one wanted to take the time, which I completely understand. And I think we talked about this earlier on in the show. Like, if you like look at like this WWE list they put out a long, not a long time ago, but some years back, it was like the most decorated champions in history. And like at the top were like Raven and Stevie Richards and Tommy Dreamer because oh, they yeah. won the hardcore champion championship a million times. Oh, right here. Uh, okay. So yes, the, uh, so Bradshaw and Crash Holly's reigns do count. Okay. Um, yeah. As official reigns for the hardcore title. That being said, uh, Tommy Dreamer uh, leaving this match with the title made this his 14th uh, hardcore title reign. Oh, snap. And Almost cra- catching up with Flair. That's too, uh, that's true. And, and Crash Holly actually surpassed him. Uh, this was his 22nd and final reign with the hardcore title. Okay. Okay. Well, Crash, you earned it. Oh, cra- Crash Holly being hardcore champion was some of the best TV I've ever seen. Oh yeah, it, it's it's very hard. It's like, as I admit, when I think of the hardcore title, I usually think of Crash Holly. If I'm perfectly honest. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I think it was. Some, I do think of some other people. Like I do remember, like the match that Undertaker had with Rob Van Dam. Um, yeah. Uh, and I do, and I admit, because of the, because of what we're doing right now, I also do think of like Tommy Dreamer to an extent. Mm. Hey man, Tommy Dreamer is a god amongst men. Trish Stratus and Stacey Keebler are backstage in Eric Bischoff's office. Uh, Stacey is trying to explain to Trish that she's in Bischoff's office because she was actually invited there, and she's pretty sure she's actually getting a women's title shot. Uh, Trish asks why Stacey even deserves a title shot, which is a completely fair question because we've only seen her have one match, and she lost it. So, it's because her legs go on and on for days, man. That's true. Uh, Stacy says 
it's actually because she helped Bischoff screw Stephanie, but Trish thinks it's because Stacy wants to screw Eric Bischoff, you know, like sex. Yeah, okay. The sad part is, is like the moment that that was said, I was like, I know where this is going now. Like the oh. moment it was said. Uh, Bischoff is in the background uh, hearing a little bit of this, and he's very surprised by that specific comment. Uh, Stacy says that uh, with Trish saying such a thing, it's really the uh, the pot calling the kettle black. Uh, Stacy asks if Trish would rather be women's champion or bark like a dog in the ring. Uh, and that's when Bischoff chimes in and starts to break them up. Things are getting a little uh, too spicy for the pepper at that point. Uh, Bischoff tells them to you know chill out, settle down. And then he said uh, that he called them into his office because no one cares about women's wrestling. And I said, oh, no, that, that's not good. Yeah. No, but that's not exactly a hot take right now. Okay, yeah, no. At this time period in WWE, WWE didn't, definitely did not care about women's wrestling, as we'll find out with our next quote-unquote match. Yeah. Here's the thing. Even in this era, even if you had like a four-star women's match somehow – Unless the unless the woman the women involved were like super over, they probably still weren't going to get a reaction. Yeah, I, really only Trish and Lita. That's the thing. If it wasn't Trish and Lita, they probably weren't going to care that much. Sadly. Yeah. Uh, after Bischoff says that no one cares about women's wrestling, you hear Trish immediately say, "Excuse me," uh, and Stacy actually agrees with her. She's sort of shaking her head. Uh, Bischoff says that he'll give the fans what they really want to see in tonight a brawl and panties match, but not just any brawl and panties match, a brawl and panties match in mud, which gets a huge pop. Uh, Eric tells him... I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, we'll get there in a second. Okay, sorry. Uh, Eric tells them to get dressed, or rather undress, because their match is next. Now, Dean, what do you mean you don't get it? I don't get the mud thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Saying. I'm sorry. Like, like uh, every time they have one of these mud matches, I think two things. It's like, okay, so I'm supposed to be, a, I'm supposed to like the fact that they're messy now, and also because two, because they're, they're bad girls or something. I don't and and, and two, also, I'm just like, okay, even if I was coming here for like the titillation, so to speak, uh, the mud's covering them up now. That's true. Yeah, we'll get to it. Uh, I could hardly tell who was who at one point. Yeah. Uh, other than we'll get there um, so uh, like Eric Bischoff just said uh, our next match is Trish Stratus versus Stacy Keebler in a brawl and panties mud match uh, Howard the Coward he's there and he's actually right next to that tarp announcing the match uh, and then him and referee Charles Robinson aka Lil Nate uh, they pull the tarp off revealing a pool filled with mud uh, Trish makes her entrance and she, it, it, this bothered me. She makes her entrance like she always does, all smiling, excited, happy-go-lucky, even though she was literally just pissed off three minutes ago before commercial. Wait, so three minutes? Did... Yo, fuck, what if Rosie and Jamal... <laughs> oh, my God, yo. What if Rosie and Jamal came in and, like, did the, the Superfly Splash and the Samoan Drop in the mud? I might have actually liked this match then. That's fair. That, that would have been, been awesome. fucking dope. <laughs> Stacy actually sneak attacks Trish on the stage with a kick and then throws her off the stage directly into the puddle of mud, which um, two things. One, that was not the way Bischoff explained it earlier. Uh, I didn't get into it, but Bischoff, the idea was the loser of the brawn panties match then gets thrown in to the mud. 
Yeah. They really jumped the gun by not doing the fucking match first like they were told to. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we got to get to the mud because that's the important part. Oh, definitely. It's the biggest spot it's on that. So, just so sexy, man. Can't believe it. Just also, y'all remember the band over. Puddle of Mud? Yeah. Wait, the band Puddle of Mud? Yeah, you remember them, Dean? Uh Oh, okay. They I'm sorry. That, they had you that song, okay. Famous, in uh, SVR 2008. Okay, see, I, I, I totally mis- misinterpreted what you meant by band. I, I, I was thinking B-A-N-N-E-D, and I'm like, wait, WWE banned a puddle of mud at one point? What? Yeah, dude. But you meant, you mean, you, yeah, um, okay, I get what you're talking about now, though, sorry. Uh, Stacy goes for a slap, but Trish catches Stacy's hand and then throws her into the mud. Uh, Stacy grabs Lil Nate Charles Robinson by his shirt, and he took a fucking flip bump into the mud. I liked that. Uh, and then they cut to a camera angle where the camera lens is just covered and caked in mud. And I was like, oof, that, that's tough. That's a rough one. Yeah. Uh, Stacy gets spanked by Trish four times. And I wrote, these poor women can hardly stand, let alone walk in the slippery mess. Like, it looked like one of them was about to tear their ACL trying to have this quote-unquote match. Because, like, they can't, they're hardly being able to walk. And also, I have to ask, like, when you're getting, like, thrown into the mud, especially from the stage, like, I can't imagine the buds breaking Trish's fall that much. Ooh, good point. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's a hell of a bump, too, because, I mean, from the, that, from the pool to the stage was probably a good, like, 10 feet. Yeah, that's the thing, and it's like, unless there's, like, some kind of padding in that pool, which I doubt there was, that's, that, that's kind of a sucky bump to have to take. She probably landed, like, right on her hands and knees. Damn, I didn't even think of that. I was more thinking this match is fucking dumb. Yep, but you know what? That that bump was totally worth it for this five star match. Oh yeah, uh, Stacy pulls Trish down by her hair. Stacy uh, Stacy actually tries to drown Trish twice in the mud. Uh, Stacy slaps Trish, and Trish takes a, a bump. Uh, Trish just kind of picks Stacy up, like kind of like a spine buster, and then drops her face first. Which, like, I don't know why the hell they were trying to do actual moves in this mud when they could hardly stand. Yeah, that was not that dangerous. was not a good idea. Especially, like I said, probably barely any padding on top of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, we get four chops uh, to Stacy, and the last one sends Stacy out of the pool. Uh, we get a, a schoolgirl pin by Trish, and she wins. That is not how a brawl panty match works. You don't win uh, with a pinfall. Granted, they weren't supposed to get in the mud in the first place, so they kind of just went into business for themselves on this one for some fucking reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fink goes to help Stacy up, uh, but Trish is still mad about uh, the way Fink treated Lillian Garcia two weeks ago. So Trish shoves both Fink and Stacy into the mud, uh, and then Fink tries to help up Stacy again. But Stacy now doesn't want him to for whatever reason. So he gets slapped and then she starts throwing mud at him. And that's the end of this match. What did I just watch? Well, okay, the very end. One of us has that wrong because I wrote down that, uh, where is it? Fink's thrown into the pool and try and grab Stacy's chest. Okay. I, okay. It kind of looked like maybe, I don't, commentary didn't like point that out. So I think. He was, I think he was like kind of trying to help her up, and maybe it sort of looked like that. I was gonna say it really looked like he was trying to get a handful. That's possible, which that would make sense why Stacy would then slap him and throw mud at him. Yeah. 
Uh, hmm. I, didn't, I admit, I didn't think about that, but that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, after this, The Rock is entering the, uh, the building. Obligatory big pop, huge pop for The Rock. Um, a production assistant comes up to The Rock and hands him a package that uh, came in earlier that day from Paul Heyman. A package, you say? A package. And Rock says he doesn't want no package from Paul Heyman. Uh, the PA goes to explain what's going on, and The Rock cuts her off and does his, you know, finally shtick. Uh, Rock asks, what's in the package, huh? Is it Viagra, Twinkies, Rogaine? Uh, Rock says he's pretty sure that it's ass fetish weekly uh, in this in this FedEx envelope. Uh, and he says that Rock has had a Heyman to ass fetish weekly uh, for about 10 years. So, okay. Liking, liking butts isn't weird. It's not. See, that's the thing. Unless he's like referencing the fact that Paul got a stink face, but he said 10 years, so I don't know. Well, I think it wasn't as acceptable in 2002 as it is in 2020. Right, because like, Dean, you've, you've de- we've all heard the joke of like, my wife asked me if her butt looked big in her pants, and I said no, but like... Which is, that's such a weird thing to think that we live in a world like that at one point, but... Yeah, yeah. I don't, I really don't get... Maybe the joke just hasn't aged well, I don't know, but... It yeah. Was, a weird aside and we'll we'll i swear to god the rock talks about ass and anal and butts like a million times i swear to god this man's got he's got i think he's projecting himself onto paul Heyman by saying ass fetish okay you know what no shame though rock i respect it i respect it too but he doesn't need to need to uh project it like this onto someone else like uh some people in our uh political uh arena do anyway <laughs> moving on uh, Rock tells the PA to actually wait a minute because he can hear the Rocky chants uh, Rock takes the message and he's like listen I'm just messing with you uh, don't worry about it uh, and he asks for her name and her name is Nikki uh, Rock shakes her hand and introduces himself he says Rock Dwayne Johnson uh, Rock's leg starts shaking and Nikki asks uh, what's going on and Rock says that quote unquote he has a mind of his own and then he slaps his thigh and he's like easy there easy there big fella uh rock apologizes once again and tells nikki to have a good night uh nikki leaves and rock starts opening the package uh he pulls out what at first just looks like some white papers uh but he starts looking at him he throws them on the ground uh, and the camera eventually zooms in and there are actually pictures of hulk hogan bloodied and beaten down after his match two weeks ago with lesnar on smackdown i kind of liked this segment yeah, yeah, I kind of did too. Usually, like, I admit, there have been times when I feel like the rock meanders a bit, and it just kind of, yes. it, it like, I'll say this, sometimes it feels like it goes on for like two minutes too long. Uh-huh. But like, in this case, I actually really liked it. And, uh, you know, Nick, Nikki, Nikki's pretty cute, I'm not gonna lie. I, okay, real talk, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, should Rock have uh, made the joke about his penis to a woman he had just met probably not but well he is the he is the um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson well now he wasn't there yet he didn't uh, have that down yet he said Rock Dwayne Johnson that's fair fair um so yeah this is this is definitely the best rock segment of these two shows cuz i swear to god all of his other promos sucked can i be honest here yeah stacy keebler does nothing for me fire stacy bring on nikki you think Nikki would be down for these matches, though? See, that's the thing. She would be a trailblazer. Ooh. See? 
See, alternate alternate universe, man. The Rock would the Rock would pick would take up for Nikki, man. I'm telling you. Uh, okay, that's fair. Uh, right after this, we get a replay of uh, what had happened in the brawl and panties mud match that we literally just saw like five minutes ago, if that. Five stars. Uh, Triple H uh, comes out, and this motherfucker is still getting a face pop. Yeah, yeah. Why? I I don't get it. I really don't. I, I did say at least it was not as loud this week as it was like the first week we watched. It just, it feels like he has to work to get them to boo him every week though. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is weird to think because like I feel like later when he would turn face again in like 2006, 2007 he had to work the opposite direction then because mm-hmm. so many people were sick of him after the reign of terror with evolution. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, give it a year and everybody's going to hate his guts. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think kind of shortly after his match at SummerSlam, uh, people start to get behind booing him. Uh, Triple H, he comes out, he's holding a clipboard. Uh, he says that nine times out of ten, everything that happens in that ring is strictly business, at least that's the way he does it. Uh, but he says SummerSlam is going to be different. He says that this match between him and Shawn Michaels is personal. Uh, Triple H says no matter how bad he wants Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam, Shawn has to sign a contract to make it happen. Uh, Hunter says that he actually sent a copy to the contract to Shawn, but it's been a week and he has yet to hear back. Triple H says if he doesn't get that signature, the match at SummerSlam's off. It's not going to happen. Triple H says that the contract is to make sure Triple H is not uh, accountable for the horrible things he'll do, like crippling Shawn Michaels. Triple H says that the contract will allow him to have his way with Shawn at SummerSlam, and no one can stop him. And Triple H says, Shawn, if you really want your moment to shine, then you'll sign these papers and get them back to me ASAP. Triple H says if Shawn takes care of the papers... Triple H will personally take care of Shawn Michaels. Triple H says he knows Shawn Michaels will be watching tonight, and then he gets cut off by asshole chance. So it takes a minute, but he does get there, uh, getting some the reaction that he's kind of supposed to be getting. Yeah, finally. Yeah. Uh, Triple H just laughs them off and says that the crowd has no idea. Triple H says Brock uh, Lesnar will be watching Raw tonight. Uh, Triple H says that he knows Brock is watching with anticipation while the two biggest stars go head-to-head in the main event. Obviously, he's plugging himself versus The Rock. Triple H says the title is not on the line, but The Rock's ass is on the line. Uh, Triple H says that Bischoff, just um, before Triple H came out, made that match no disqualification for the main event. Triple H says he'll send a message to Shawn Michaels through The Rock. Triple H says he'll do Brock Lesnar a favor and leave just a little bit of the rock left so he can show up to SummerSlam. Triple H says uh, when Brock shows up Monday after SummerSlam, the new champ, he better know Triple H is going to be waiting for him. Triple H, uh, he tells Sean to not let his family watch, and Chris Jericho, of all people, comes out and interrupts him. Yeah, uh, I was I, when this happened, I was like, wait a minute, what? Why? Yeah. I was relieved because wow, that promo sucked. Okay, that promo <laughs> was that promo was literally Triple H saying the same thing over and over for about five minutes. 
if yeah. you couldn't tell by me saying pretty much the same thing over and over for two minutes. Yeah, tri- Triple H is not a – he's not a bad promo, but he can be meandering. I liked his promo later with Eric in the office. Yeah, that, I, get, I feel like that's that also because, like, than this. I think Triple H works a lot better when he has somebody to bounce off of, not when you just let him go out there and talk for extended periods of time by himself. Which is exactly what they let him do for – Two years with evolution. Oh, yeah. We'll be getting there pretty soon. Uh, but yes, Jericho shows up and he's wearing his Fozzie shirt as they are uh, to appear tonight to perform live. Jericho apologizes for interrupting. Uh, he, he, but he does it very sarcastically. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry I interrupted you. It doesn't feel very good, does it? Uh, showing that he's still salty about getting interrupted two weeks ago. Triple H says it doesn't feel good, but it does feel a lot better than losing the undisputed title at WrestleMania. Uh, Jericho laughs and says that Triple H actually stands for Hunter Hearst Hilarious. Got uh, Jericho, he goofed him hard on that one, bro. <laughs> uh, Jericho says that he came out there not to argue, but to actually agree with Triple H for once. Jericho believes they actually have a lot in common. They share an intense hatred for each other, and they're both facing washed-up has-beens at SummerSlam. Uh, Jericho says they're almost exactly alike, except Chris Jericho has more talent, which I do believe is true. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, Jericho says he'll prove that he has more talent when Fozzie plays live for all these jackasses. I love how they popped big for it before he even said jackasses. And so, like, he yeah. says jackasses and they're still all cheering. Yeah, which then leads to Fozzie sucks chance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jericho then actually retracts his earlier statement and says him and Triple H have nothing in common. Uh, Jericho says that he has a much easier opponent, uh, an ass clown, that is Ric Flair. Jericho says that Flair has one-tenth of the talent, charisma, and legendary status that Chris Jericho has. I do remember on commentary, JR is like, what's an ass clown? And uh, Jerry Lawler just says, well, Ric Flair. That's, I mean, he did spell it out for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and after saying that Flair has one-tenth of all of that that Chris Jericho does, Flair comes out and he puts a trash can that has literal garbage in it over Jericho's head and then shoves him down the ramp. Ooh, like that, looked, that looked rough. Yeah. Like, you can't even protect yourself when you take a bump like that, especially when it's sloping downward. Yeah. Uh, Jericho, he does eventually get the trash can off of his head. And Flair tells him that the only thing Jericho can do better is talk trash. And, like, listen, I get that that's a pun, but that's literally the one thing that I don't think anyone will be able to top Ric Flair at. That was exactly what I was thinking when that happened. Like, it's like, I get it. I totally get it. But I'm also like, you're Ric Flair, though. Come on. I was going to say, Ric Flair is kind of one of the originators and pioneers of trash talk in pro wrestling. Yeah. Like, even people outside of pro wrestling – like identify Ric Flair with trash talking. Yeah, hell, I uh, I don't know if it's Ric Flair specifically. I obviously he wasn't the first person to talk trash in pro wrestling, but uh, I've heard like uh, people in sports that also talk trash, like in football and boxing and MMA. They a lot of times cite other pro wrestlers with their inspiration for it. I know Muhammad Ali did. Maybe not Ric Flair specifically. Uh, I think but, Muhammad like... Ali said, uh, "Gorgeous George." Oh, okay. Was okay. the one that uh, he got that idea from. Um, after this, we get 
what I will preface with, and I want to know right now if you guys would agree, what I think is the worst match we've seen thus far in doing this podcast. Ooh, that's a tall order, but okay, okay. I'm would you agree with that, Dean? Uh, book, it, it, let me, it's Book Dust and Undertaker taking on the Un-Americans in a six-man tag. I don't know if I'd go that far. Yeah, that women's match at Global Warning was pretty bad. That's the thing, man. That oh, that like that that hip toss at Global Warning, man. I... Okay. Well, the everything in this fucking match. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I'll I'll say this. If we discount like matches that really aren't even really matches, like like if we discount the mud match and we discount matches that are just kind of there just to like for If we like, discount the gimmicky shit that they had the women doing. Yeah, okay. I could say that because there are a lot of points in this match that felt really awkward. Yeah. Like, that like, it's like, it seemed like they lost the script, not literally lost the script, but it feels like they lost the script multiple times. Yeah. So, um, I will say, uh, Goldust does come out wearing this like really cool all gold robe and a black wig, which threw me off. I don't remember him changing the color of his wigs at, in WWE. Yeah, neither do I, but that was a neat, interesting look. Yeah, like, I it. It kind of reminded me of Black Rain, which uh, hopefully Goldust never hears this or else he'll block all of us on Twitter. He, he just blocked like, us. Yeah, he doesn't like people mentioning Black Rain, which I understand, but... Yeah, like, I think because actually that year he, like, won, like... I forget if it was uh, Wrestling Observer or PWI or whatever, but he, like, won worst gimmick that year for Black Rain. Um, Dean, I think the the reason he doesn't like it mentioned is way further than because it was vo- voted worst gimmick. Have you not heard the story why he hates it so much? Uh, I mean, I, I've heard of it, but I've never really like actually looked into what he did as Black Rain or why well, he hated it. it basically, he, he, uh, he associates the Black Rain gimmick with the literal low point of his life. Ah, uh, okay. He said he was very overweight, which, I mean, you look at him, he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a serious drug addiction and alcohol addiction to the point where he said, uh, he he said, you know, he finally hit a rock bottom moment where he was literally crying in the middle of the street while it was raining, wishing he had more pills. Oh, damn. Yeah. Oh, damn. See, when you first started that sentence, I thought, oh, he was crying because he you know something in his life fell apart or he was sad as to where he was when you said because he didn't have more pills holy shit yeah uh luckily goldust has been sober for i think over 10 years now yeah that's that's nice holy shit okay i didn't yeah, realize, i didn't realize uh, it was that bad yeah uh on a i guess on a slightly better note uh taker doesn't have his bike for some reason he just walks out there uh and i know that the crowd is kind of dead like taker didn't even get much of a pop yeah. Which was surprising. Yeah. Uh, also, the garbage from the previous segment has not been cleaned up off that ramp. No. Uh, things start off hot as Goldust rushes test on the ramp when the Un-Americans are doing their entrance. Uh, Undertaker goes for Christian and Booker gets to Storm. Uh, Taker throws Christian in the ring to officially get the match started. Uh, Christian gets Taker in the corner and chokes Undertaker till the ref breaks it up. Taker, I didn't know exactly what to call this, but he, I just said he absolutely launched Christian back into that corner because he, like, grabbed him by the throat, he goozled him, and then just, like, tossed him by the throat yeah. into the corner. Uh, and he starts throwing those damn soup bones or something. I don't know. Uh, head into the corner for Christian. 
He gets whipped to the opposite corner and a tilt to roll power slam by Undertaker for a two count when Test comes in and kicks Taker. Uh, Booker gets tagged in. He gets some punches in on Christian. His Irish whip is reversed. Christian misses a clothesline and Booker hits a flying forearm and a flapjack for a two. Knee to the gut by Christian and Storm gets tagged in. Booker hits a hip toss and an arm hooked back kick to Storm's head. Christian comes in and immediately gets punched by Booker. Test gets knocked off the apron, uh, but Storm is able to get the upper hand with a poke to the eyes of Booker, and he tosses him over the top rope to the floor, and the crowd was absolutely dead at this point. Yeah. They were sitting on their hands. And the match hasn't exactly gone to shit yet. Yeah, it's still going okay right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, And my theory of why the crowd's so dead for this is I guessed we kind of got this match last week but they took out the two biggest stars that were in it last week with Rock and Triple H. Yeah. So yeah, at least just a bunch of on, mid-carders. Yeah, yeah, on each team, yeah. Which I know Colin Taker mid-carder is weird, but at this time, like, he's having a mid-card match at SummerSlam against Test. All right, I he wasn't s- exactly the top guy at this moment. Test whips Booker into the stairs while Storm distracts referee Nick Patrick. We get a lot of uh, Nick Patrick in this fucking match, and not for good reasons. Uh, Storm gets some mounted punches and Test gets some boots in on Booker T. Test is somehow the legal man now, but no tag happened. Yeah. Yeah. He just became legal man. Uh, Christian is tagged in and gets some boots in on Booker's gut in the corner. Oh, we get a snapmare and punches and a choke by Christian. More punches and stomps and a very light Booker T chance starts. They're trying to get into this match now. Uh, Test is tagged in, gets a knee to the gut, whipped to the corner and a clothesline by Test. We get some USA chants. Uh, whipped to the corner, and Booker T hits an elbow when Test uh, is charging him in the corner. Uh, some punches, but one of them is ducked, and Test hits a full Nelson slam for a two count when Taker comes in and breaks it up. Headlocked by Test, Booker begins to power out with elbows and a chop. Uh, his whip gets reversed, and he gets a knee in the gut. A pump handle slam attempt is reversed. Also clothesline reversed, and Booker gets the upper hand with a Savat kick. Christian gets tagged in. Goldust gets the hot tag. We get a punch to Christian, another punch to Christian, punch to Storm, a reverse atomic drop to Christian, clothesline to Storm, Bulldog to Christian, and a spinning power slam to land Storm. His hot tag sucked. It was very slow. Yes, but that power slam was amazing. It was fine. It was not even his best power slam. Don't at me. Not I gotta be honest here. Like this match is a like, I'm remembering the stuff you're talking about. But this match is a giant blur to me. I'm not yeah, because it was bad, and we're about to get to the worst part of the match, the part that pissed me off. Um, we get the ten punch spot by Goldust to Christian. Goldust uh, gets Christian in position for the Golden Globe, uh, and Nick Patrick is warning him, like, hey, Goldust, uh, that's a kick to the balls and dick and cock. So, like, if you do it, I'm going to have to disqualify you. It's illegal when it's convenient. Yeah, because I swear to God, I've seen that move hit and no DQ happened, you know? Yeah. Uh, Storm goes after Goldust, but Taker punches Storm and clotheslines him out of the ring. And this is where it happens. So, Goldust is going for the Golden Globe kick while Taker is supposed to be distracting referee Nick Patrick. But Nick Patrick's body is still, like, looking in the position of Goldust doing the kick. So Goldust, like, 
he thinks he's good to go, so he starts to run for it. But then he realizes Nick Patrick is still pretty much looking at him, even though yeah. Undertaker's talking to him. So he like awkwardly like fucking stutter stomps and just quits running halfway through his stride. And then he just waits, and then you see Undertaker awkwardly, like, literally grab Nick Patrick and, like, fucking be like, turn around, you dumbass, and, like, get him out of position for this spot. I was like, oh, my God. It looks so amateur. Yeah, like, it's Gold- something you would see at your local not-good indie show. Yeah, like, Goldust had to stall for so long that it started to feel really, really awkward. It was awkward, like, for me, but the crowd still popped big when he hit it. Yeah, I'll give him that, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he hits the Golden Globe on Christian to a surprisingly big pop, even though the spot that led up to it sucked. Uh, big boot by Test onto Gold Dust, punches to Test by the Undertaker, whip to the corner and Snake Eyes followed by the uh, a big boot by Taker. Uh, one thing I want to say, one thing I want to say about that Snake Eyes is that I think like because Test is so tall that it was a little. Like I could notice that, like as Undertaker was dropping him, he didn't quite get out of the way enough because of Test's height, and like his his feet came down on like the Undertaker's shoulder. I did not notice that. Yeah, like I think it's just like when you do it to someone that tall, it's harder to get out of the way when you drop them. That's fair. Plus, like uh, now that I think about it, like you see Undertaker do it on a smaller guy. I don't know CM Punk, for instance, not as tall as Test, not as heavy as Test. Which is funny because CM Punk's not even a short guy, but he's like considered a smaller person by wrestling Ray Mysterio for instance he's fine yeah yeah uh, anyone smaller than test yeah uh, Taker usually you know quote-unquote they were like lift them up for it you know like prop them up off his shoulder and then like slam them down into it mm-hmm. and the guy's able to prop off a of Taker's shoulders to do that but test is such a big guy he probably couldn't mm-hmm. uh, also Taker probably couldn't really muster him up there very well yeah it might have been a better spot for uh Lance Storm I almost Literally said Storm or Christian. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say James Storm again, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna Sorry beat. The, I'm gonna. I'm gonna beat Dang a dead. Luck. I'm gonna beat it. I'm gonna be a dead horse if I keep this up. So. Oh, don't worry, Dean. I'm about to beat a dead horse really hard on SmackDown. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, uh, Test gets clotheslined out of the ring. We get choke slammed to Lance Storm. Uh, Test pulls Taker out of the ring, and they end up trading punches up their way um, the ramp. Christian gets a two count on Gold Dust. When Booker T breaks it up, the tag title somehow mysteriously is in the ring, just like a global warning. Uh, scissor kick by Booker to Lance Storm. Reverse DDT to Booker by Christian. Uh, Goldust goes for the curtain call, uh, but Goldust just kind of drops Christian, and he goes to punch uh, Storm. Nick Patrick checks on Lance Storm, which was weird because, like, all he did was get punched. He didn't land on his fucking neck or something. Yeah. check on him. Uh, but while Nick Patrick is checking on Lance Storm, Christian hits Goldust with the tag title and gets the one, two, three. I wonder if the crowd noticed what happened because they did not react much at all to that shot. At, because like, this match sucked. Yeah, yeah. I like that he tried to pull like the classic heel move of slide the boat out of the ring, but the belt got like three fourths. It didn't get all there, huh? It wasn't all there. It didn't get all of it. Uh, so I put uh, this match was super awkward, felt rushed, looked like everyone was going through the motions, and had no heat despite the Un-Americans being despised heels and Taker being super over. Possibly the worst men's match we've seen thus far in Ruthless Recap. I'm still, I'm still, well, okay. In fairness, you specified men's match. 
Because I was going to say, yeah, yeah okay. Because I was going to mention. Oh, God, I did that. Yeah, because the intergender, I was watching the rest of the intergender matches, but those only happened to have men in them. They weren't specifically men's matches. Yeah, right. we're just saying men only matches. Yeah, this one takes the cake as the worst. Yeah, which is which is saying something because like most of the guys, uh, well, actually, pretty I much all, all the guys, them. all of them are good workers. That's a, that's the funny part. I was about to say like I'd say the weakest is Test, but like he's still pretty good. Yeah, honestly, better than I remembered. Same. Yeah, t- there's a lot of people thus far, and we'll get to it on SmackDown as well. A lot of guys that I remembered not caring about when I was a kid, but now that I've grown up and I watch, I'm like, damn, I, sh- I really underrated them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one specific person on SmackDown when we get there. Um, but yeah, I f- the, my main problem was this match. It felt like it more like a house show match. Like they were just kind of going through the motions. Like, let's get the shit over with so we can get to the pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, it seemed like they just didn't care. It bothered me. Especially since we had such a similar match last week. It just felt like this match was just kind of there for the sake of filling time. Yeah. Uh, we're backstage with Eric Bischoff and he's talking to RVD. Uh, he he's telling RVD how important it is that he beats Chris Benoit for the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam. Uh, Bischoff says the Intercontinental title or the IC title is just as important to him as the Undisputed title is. RVD says he plans on uh, getting that Intercontinental title back on Raw by beating Benoit. And Big Show walks in and I said, no. I want another match with Bubba Ray Dudley. I'm kidding. He said, give me Trish Stratus, you know? <laughs> uh, Big Show said that he thought him and Bischoff were tight. After all, they were in the NWO together in WCW. So why is RVD getting the Intercontinental title shot? And I said it's probably because Big Show has hardly won a singles match in fucking months. Yeah. Yeah. RVD says uh, the real reason that Big Show does not get a title shot is because he's a tool. Goofed on. Uh, Show says, listen, I'm seven foot two, 500 pounds, and I'm a giant. And RVD says, yeah, that just makes you a giant tool. Uh, which, once again, goofed him times two, double damage. Uh, Show says that he wants RVD tonight. Winner faces Benoit for the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam. And Eric Bischoff, he chimes in. He says, oh, my God, how dumb can everyone on this goddamn roster be? RVD has the rematch clause in his contract. He's the only one who can face Benoit at SummerSlam. Everyone shut the fuck up and quit asking me. Fuck. Uh, Big Show says, let me have him, and I'll change your mind. Uh, Big Show is a terrible actor in this segment. Yeah. So, naturally, he has a goddamn television show on Netflix. Of course. He's such a lovable guy. Fuck Big Show. I don't like him. He seems like a dick. Like, real talk. You know, and this is really... I understand that heels are supposed to be wrong and they're supposed to be full of themselves and they're supposed to be dicks, but I'm just like... There's this weird part where I'm just like, yeah, but shouldn't Big Show get that Bischoff literally can't do anything about it? I think maybe Big Show is just a dumb man. (sighs) I suppose... Uh, Bischoff says he doesn't want RVD even wrestling before SummerSlam so he can be 100% fresh going into that Intercontinental title match. Uh, And to make sure that SmackDown doesn't have any advantage in possibly keeping the Intercontinental title. RVD says, you know what, Eric, I could actually uh, use a match to loosen up a little bit before SummerSlam. Bischoff says, listen, I'll make the match, but that title shot is not on the line. Uh, Bischoff warns Big Show, he said, this better be a clean match so RVD can be 100%. RVD says, listen, it's not going to be any problem me being 100% after I wrestled the Big Show, which I actually thought was pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. Like I liked that line for RVD. Yeah. Uh, and I said that despite this segment having terrible acting by both RVD and Big Show, Eric Bischoff actually I think is pretty good at acting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do like that this segment and the segment last week with the Hardy Boys uh, show that like everyone wants the Intercontinental title. Like oh, it's yeah. not really seen as a secondary title. Like there are people actually pining after it, which makes it m- seem more important and prestigious. Yeah, because Big Show at this point has been world champion before, but he still wants the Intercontinental title. He still wants the Intercontinental title. You got the Hardy Boys who, like, they could just be in the tag division. And Jeff Hardy was kind of, at this time, being uh, looked at as, like, possibly one of the next top guys. Mm. But he still wants that IC title. Um, We go backstage to the interview set with Terry Runnels interviewing Ric Flair, and we get a big pop for Ric Flair. And Terry asks something I have legit been wondering. What was Flair's announcement going to be three weeks ago after his main event match with The Rock on Raw? And Flair says, listen, whatever it is, it's on hold now because Jericho hit me with a chair after that match. Uh, Flair says Jericho started something that he's simply not going to get away with. Uh, He says that he is focused on Chris Jericho and at SummerSlam, he'll, and Jericho just throws that goddamn trash can at Flair's head and it even sort of hit Terry and Terry took a bump onto like her butt. Oh yeah. Uh, Jericho throws a flare headfirst into that like curved metal structure thingy that was a part of that interview set. Some uh, of those shots look, I know they were probably being safe, but some of those shots look brutal. Oh, yeah. Uh, and flare, as he does in pretty much any segment, just starts profusely bleeding from the head. Oh, I yeah. swear, literally, you touched anywhere near that man's head and he got that little razor blade out and started fucking blading, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, a ref uh, I'm sorry Flair then actually gets thrown into a bunch of metal pipes that are like leaned up against the wall and he's just getting Jericho's just punching him directly in that cut in that incision and a ref comes in to break it up I could not tell what uh, which ref it was but he gets thrown into the metal pipes for his trouble uh, Jericho kicks Flair one last time for good measure uh, and we cut to commercial uh, with Flair being bloodied and battered uh, and we come back to RVD versus the Big Show. Uh, During Big Show's entrance, they actually cut to Howard Finkel announcing him, and Fink is still covered in mud. Someone get this man a towel. He's a trooper. I'll give him that. Dude, I feel so bad for Fink sometimes, man. Yeah. They put that man through so much stupid shit. Uh, The match starts, and RVD fakes Big Show out with like a spinning head kick, Uh, but he actually ends up kicking Big Show twice in the legs, Runs off the ropes, but Big Show grabs him by his head. Uh, Show throws Van Dam into the corner, but misses a clothesline. RVD gets a basement drop kick to Big Show's knee and the top rope karate kick. RVD goes for the monkey flip, but he gets snake-eyed into the corner. Uh, RVD rolls out of the ring, and Show follows him out there. Show goes to knee Van Dam in the gut, but RVD moves, which caused Show to run his own knee into the steps like a dumbass because Big Show's a dumb, stupid, giant man. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It, like, I know that they were trying to say, like, they are trying to play it off like he was going for a knee, but honestly, it just made him look stupid. Yeah. Um, RVD hits the spinning leg drop from the apron to a bent over Big Show. He's not bent over the barricade, uh, just bent over because he's giant. Uh, Big Show throws RVD into the barricade and runs him back first into the turnbuckle post. Uh, Big Show throws RVD back into the ring and then he himself gets back in the ring and he goozles RVD 
uh, where RVD gets a kick to the head, which causes Big Show to just hawk a giant loogie. It was gross. Did you see that? No. I no, I did not see that actually. Yeah, so, so he's gotten for the choke slam, and Van Dam hits like a roundhouse kick to his head, and his version of settling that kick was stumble backwards and spit. Mm. I didn't like that. Yeah. Oh, uh, we get two shoulder checks in the corner by RVD. The backflip, and he goes for that third shoulder check. But Show goozles uh, RVD and actually hits the choke slam. Big Show picks up those steps from earlier, and he holds them over RVD's head, like he's about to just like flatten his head just bludgeon him uh but bischoff comes out and he starts screaming into that microphone he's like big show what the hell are you doing knock it off uh and then bischoff starts to look at his watch and he just starts instinctively yelling three minutes it's uh, th- uh three minutes and rosie and jamal come out and they attack big show from behind actually giving big show the dq victory uh they hit a double shoulder block and a double elbow and then rosie takes those same steps and he pins big show's legs down while Jamal hits the top rope superfly splash to Big Show. What I will say that I really liked about this, not the match itself, I mean the three minutes part, um, is that I do like that it shows that there actually is some semblance of like brand loyalty to an extent. Like the idea that like Bischoff, despite the fact that he doesn't have a particular reason to like anyone in particular, he still has a vested interest in hey i want the titles keep rob help healthy if if i will use the three i'll use three minutes even on something i wasn't planning on using it on if it protects raw yeah i I guess i never thought about that but definitely because like uh on raw you have bischoff he's a heel but he's doing any everything he can right now to protect the face and rvd where on the flip side uh like like last week, we, we have face GM Stephanie McMahon. She is encouraging heel Crispin Wall to put the hurt on the rock. Uh, so, yeah, actually, that is kind of cool. Which creates some plot holes on SmackDown, but we'll get there. What I liked about the uh, three-minute warning segment was prior to this, we've just seen three-minute warning take out people that just about anybody can take out. Sure, it's the big show. Let's shit on them. But, like, in kayfabe, that's a monumental task. Yeah, uh, Jr. even mentioned that. And yeah, I was I was thinking that as well. Of like, you know, it's not that impressive to attack Lillian Garcia and these two eighty-year-old old women's wrestlers and a tiny person. But then yeah. they attacked seven foot two, five hundred pound Big Show, and it's like, oh, okay, so they actually are a force to be reckoned with, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, we cut to commercial, and Jonathan Coachman is interviewing The Rock. Uh, coach says, listen, the title's not on the line tonight, but Triple H did make the stakes higher in your guys' main event match by getting it approved to be no disqualification. Rock says he isn't scared of a no-DQ match. Rock says that him and Triple H go way back. Rock says that Triple H is just that damn good, which was Triple H's catchphrase for a while. You know, he'd always be like, I'm just that damn good. <laughs> um, and that in the past, Triple H has beaten him. But The Rock says, I've beaten Triple H more. Rock says that him and Hunter go so far back that they were actually feuding in the nursery. Rock says that Triple H complained about his diaper uh, being just that damn wet. Uh, and then The Rock went up to Triple H, asked him why his diaper was so saggy, and then shoved a rattle up his ass. Dean, it sounded like you wanted to say something. No, I'm just like, 
This I I just I just have very mixed feelings on this this section of the promo. Well, don't worry, it only gets more dumb. So after that, Rock says they go even further back to the colonial days when it was George Rockington and Triple H was Benedict Helmsley. Uh, Rockington was not able to tell a lie, and the truth was that Benedict Helmsley was a monkey's anus. Then Benedict Helmsley got the Constitution shoved up his ass. Um, Rock says they go even further back than 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 the uh, the colonial days to the caveman days where caveman triple h would say fire good and caveman rock would say that fire turned sideways and shoved up triple h's ass would be even better rock loves anal yep yep yep, yep. this i don't know man this this promo was awkward for me oh we got more we ain't done uh, Rock says that him versus Triple H tonight will not disappoint, which we'll get to it. It fucking uh, disappoints. Um, Rock says he'll light the SmackDown on Triple H for the five millionth time tonight. It wasn't. He didn't say exactly five million, but he said some long number. I wasn't about to type at 4 a.m. when I watched this fucking promo. Um, we get some Rocky chants. Coach then mentions that they received yet another package from Paul Heyman that included a videotape this time. Rock says that he doesn't want to see a tape of Heyman most likely naked on the beach watching Brock Lesnar work out. Brock then does an impression of Heyman as a walrus cheering for Brock that I'm not going to do and embarrass myself more than I usually embarrass myself on here. Uh, they then show the video, which was just a hype video of Brock beating up a bunch of people. It wasn't really anything cool. Uh, but in the end, it says, footage courtesy of the next undisputed champion, Brock Lesnar. Uh, Coach says that there's a rumor going around that Heyman and Brock will be appearing on Raw tonight. And I ask, how much of these two guys spent on tickets the last two weeks? Because they're they're always getting front row tickets. And like, listen, I don't know about in 2002, but I know nowadays, obviously before COVID, if you wanted a front row ticket to Raw, that's like 300 bucks. Yeah, yeah. And they got to get-, get two. And then they end up getting kicked out after 10 minutes every time. They ain't getting their money's worth. When you get the one, well, I guess when you're the next big thing. That's true. I mean, Brock's. I mean, Brock's got to be at least making six figures. I guess three hundred bucks ain't really a drop in the half for him. Probably not. Yeah. Good. I. You know. God bless him. Good for him. I guess. Um, Rock asks if Jonathan Coachman is Joan Rivers because all he's doing is spreading gossip, which I don't think I understand that reference much other than I know Joan Rivers was what was that show on. E, the E Network E Entertainment, where they they made fun of fashion. I yeah, think it was like Fashion Police or Fashion Football. I don't know. I think it was. Was it Fashion? fashion? I almost said Fashion Files, but that was a uh, that was Dango that, and yeah, Breeze. that was yeah Dango Breeze. Dude, that show was so good. I yeah. loved all those segments they did on SmackDown. Um, but Rock says he only cares about the facts. He doesn't care about the rumors. He cares about the facts, like the fact that he is the undisputed champion. Uh, the fact that he has begged to face Brock Lesnar for a month. Uh, and Rock says that as long as Brock hasn't beaten him yet or doesn't beat him, then Brock is not the next big thing. Rather, he's just the next big bitch. And Roman Reigns heard that and popped so hard that you wouldn't even believe it. Uh, Rock then tells Lesnar to WWF SmackDown just bring it for the PlayStation 2. And then if you smell what The Rock is cooking, end this terrible promo. Yeah, I'll say this. I actually thought the promo got way better when he actually started talking about Brock Lesnar. Um, I thought this promo was all over the place, and I did not enjoy it. 
Yeah, that, that, I agree. I totally agree. It's just I appreciated his intensity and the focus when he actually started talking about Brock. Yeah, sometimes his comedy shtick gets to be, like, too much. Oh, my God. That promo he cuts with Edge on SmackDown. Yeah. Ugh, like, cringeworthy. Yeah. Um, Triple H is backstage, and he walks into Bischoff's office, where Bischoff actually has the signed contract by Shawn Michaels. Therefore, Triple H and Shawn Michaels is the official for SummerSlam. Triple H, he says, this contract is beautiful. And he goes to leave, and Bischoff says, I want you to know I'm really showing my ass on this one. And Triple H says, I can't tell, so Eric, how about you toot that ass up for me? Uh, which I know I said I like this promo. This was the one part I didn't like. Everything after this, I yeah, didn't like. Yeah, um, yeah. Bischoff says, you know, how clever. He, he, doesn't, he does not find that very funny. Uh, Bischoff says that if anything happens to either Triple H or Shawn Michaels, then Bischoff is going to be the one held liable for it. Uh, so Bischoff says that he and WWE came to an agreement to not officially sanction this match, meaning that it won't be in the you know proverbial uh, record books and would have technically never happened. Uh, Triple H says there's a problem, though. It will happen. And it's going to be one of the most brutal matches anyone's ever seen. In the last image of Shawn Michaels they'll ever see will be a bloodied, crippled mess. So regardless of this match being sanctioned, that image of a bloodied, crippled Shawn Michaels will be in everyone's mind forever. And I really liked that. It came off as very serious. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was like, listen, I don't care about these gimmicks of you guys don't want to be held legally responsible. I'm going to kill this man at SummerSlam, and everyone's going to know it happened, whether or not it was official or not. I really liked that. And Jim Ross on commentary sold it when he said it, too. I don't remember what Ross said, what he said. Like, right after, right when Triple H was walking away, he was like, good God. Like, he was, like, almost shocked that Triple H said what he said. Fair enough. That That is good. Um, after this, uh, commentary just hypes up Fozzie's new album uh, entitled Happenstance. And then it just hard cuts to one of the creepiest fucking things I've seen in my entire life. I about shit my pants. Um, we see the creepiest man in human history he's wearing a pig mask and a militia jacket and he introduces Fozzie. I did not expect to see this man. I didn't want to see this man and that pig mask threw me off so hard. That's my new sleep paralysis demon. I swear to God. Oh God. God. <laughs> oh, speaking of sleep paralysis, now I'll say that for after the show. Okay. okay. Cool. That's just like Michael Cole talking about fucking Chimmel trying to get through with fat burners. He's like, I'm not going to get into that right now. Basically, I actually had I took a nap before the show. Yeah, and I had sleep paralysis. We figured because you didn't fucking text back. Yeah. Um. But see, I was take. But see, here's the thing. Uh, during my sleep paralysis, my hallucination was constantly that I had sleep paralysis during the show, and I kept trying Whoa. to inter- and I kept trying to interact with you guys, and it wasn't working. And I'm like, guys, I'm I'm really trying, but I just can't like do anything right now. And I felt super. And I felt super guilty. <laughs> okay, so it's funny you say that if we're going to talk about sleep paralysis real quick, um, I remember very vaguely having it once when I was like super little, mm-hmm. but I don't remember having like a quote unquote sleep paralysis demon. I just remember not being able to move and I didn't know what to do. Um, but I just recently had it for like, for like 30 seconds. Thank God. You want to guess what my sleep paralysis demon was? It's not even wrestling related. Ah, uh, damn. That makes it harder. It was, do you know who Chris Chan is? 
Oh no! It was Chris Chan if he dressed up like Heath Ledger's Joker. Oh, that's actually kind of terrifying. Yeah, dude. Like I already have anxiety problems, but then that happened, and I was like breathing so hard. Damn. Like, uh, but yeah, Fozzie. They're here to play their uh, one of their newest hits, uh, "To Kill a Stranger," and I about had a seizure trying to watch this. And as an epileptic, I somehow made it through this. It was bad, dude. Like, like, legit, the strobe lights were so powerful. I, like, started to get a fucking stomach ache watching this. And luckily, they, like, they quit with the strobe lights at one point, but it was bad for, like, the first minute. Oh, yeah. I Imagine if you were actually in the crowd, too. Oh, oh. God. I was going to say, it was bad enough watching it on TV. Um, So... I I didn't really know like what we could talk about much in this segment before the other thing happens. So I actually I was I was like I'm gonna look up some reviews of this album because I'm not gonna take the time to listen to the whole thing. And I expected there to be more reviews of it on like Wikipedia or something. There's not. Um, this is a direct quote from Wikipedia: The album had little commercial success as it went to sell fewer copies than its predecessor. It managed to reach number 34 on the independent album charts. All music interviewer Bradley uh, Toriano gave the album three out of five stars and praised the songs To Kill a Stranger and Happenstance. Cool. Um, Crowd didn't really seem to care about this. Wrestling fans, I don't think, usually ever care about a musical performance. It's not what they come to a goddamn wrestling show for. Yeah, that's fair. Um, What did you guys think of this song? Uh... The song, it was decent. It wasn't amazing, but it wasn't yeah. terrible. It was there. I really don't have much to say about it, honestly. I didn't like this song. Um, it didn't even really sound like he was singing as much as he was talking. Like, we, I know he can sing. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Um, and speaking of that, there are only, like, three Fozzie songs I could think of that I actually enjoy listening to. One of them's obvious, Judas, his current AEW theme, and his yeah. New Japan theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a cover on the same album as Judas uh, of ABBA's song SOS. Uh, if you've ever heard that, I like that one. I I like the song. It's called like uh, it's called This Is Only a Test. Is that a meme on Tess's thing? Uh, see, I see. See, that's the thing. I don't know if it is or not, but that really is oh, a Fozzie I song. Asking, I I I was asking if you were fucking with me. Oh no 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 no! That really is a Fozzie song. That's funny. Yeah, um, I think it was released after he died, though. Don't quote me on that. Uh oh, whoopsies. There might not be a connection. There better not be. Um, and they have a song called "Drinking with Jesus" that I heard when we were on the Jericho cruise. That was fine. Um, the song ends uh, with mostly booze, but a few cheers. Uh, Jericho dismisses the booze by saying, "Fozzie thinks Norfolk sucks, anyways." So. Um, and JR has a great line. He says, well, Jericho, you guys are Fozzie, not Ozzy. Ooh. Um, which I know, really, wa- really quick, I, Damon, I know what you're trying to say about Ozzy Osbourne on SmackDown. I know. I know it's so long away, but that was so good. I well, mean, I remember liking it when I was seven. I don't know if it holds up. I'll say this. Uh, actually, their origins start as uh, they, they were starting as a cover band, and they called themselves Fozzy Osbourne. Wait, really? Yeah, really. Why, Dean? Why do you know so much about this band? Because you mention Mongoose, whatever, ev- Mo- whatever his fucking Mongoose McQueen. Is. Yeah, you mention that like every episode. Yeah, they actually went on Opie and Anthony once, and he refused to break character as Mongoose McQueen. 
cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But okay, the reason I know this is because I have like uh, the only I have like the first two Christian, two first two of Chris Jericho's books. Oh yeah, you've yeah you've talked about that yeah yeah. Um, never got never got um undisputed though, and I or no not what I, I have undisputed. I never got the best in the world, which is when he returned to WWE in two thousand seven. I still need to read that one. I have only read his. I think it's still his most recent book. It's called "The Best in the World at What I Have No Idea." Yeah, that's the one I still need to read. Yeah, I read it. It's fun. It is. It, it covers. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that covers from like two thousand seven until. I'm gonna be honest. I don't think I ever finished the book, but I got to like right around twenty ten. I think because he starts talking about feuding with DX with Big Show and all that shit. Uh, Jericho says that even though Norfolk doesn't deserve it, he'll play one more song for these jack-offs. Uh, and before the song can start, a still-bloodied, ripped-up shirt on Ric Flair comes out with an electric guitar, and he swings it at Jericho. Uh, Jericho's able to run to the ring while Flair throws that guitar into speakers. He's shoving the speakers off the risers. He's stomping on the microphones. Uh, Flair charges the ring with that now-broken electric guitar, but Jericho immediately runs out and he hops the barricade. And I don't know about you guys, but I thought Ric Flair looked so cool here. Oh yeah, I agree. He was all bloodied up. His short, his shirt is all torn up. He's got a broken electric guitar. He looks like a deranged psychopath right now. It, it, looks it, awesome. it, it was wonderful. Um, Flair, uh, he's got the guitar and he swings it into the ring post. And I swear to God, it hit that camera guy in the shin. Because the camera guy falls down, and then they cut to his ankle, and he's like looking up at Flair, and Flair looks worried. Ooh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was Fozzie's performance. Honestly, Ric Flair made it worth it. That's true. Uh, we cut to commercial, and The Rock is in his locker room getting ready for his main event match. His phone starts ringing. He he just takes a quick look at it, but he doesn't answer it. And we cut to the arena where. Uh, the rumor had it true Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman are in the crowd walking to their seats front row of course um, Heyman is on his phone trying to contact someone presumably The Rock and we find out it is The Rock because uh, he says oh well it seems I've gotten the people's voicemail uh, but we're, uh, me and Brock are with the people right now uh, Heyman says that himself and Brock have a key interest in this upcoming match and I swear to God, they cut to commercial again, even though I they literally just cut to commercial two minutes ago. I don't know what that was about. But unless something got cut from the network, I don't know. Uh, my only guess is maybe they were trying to stall for time so they could, like, the main event would go to the end of the show. But that's just me guessing. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, we uh, cut to commercial, and Bischoff is surrounded by security guards. And he tells Brock and Heyman he doesn't care if they paid. If Brock interferes... They'll be thrown out faster than they can say, we're sorry, Mr. Bischoff. Or, I'm I, sorry, uh, good night, Mr. Bischoff. I love Brock Lesnar's facial response to that, too. He's almost like, oh. Was. He was like, he's like, oh, really? Really? <laughs> God bless, Brock. Um, so here we are, main event, Triple H taking on The Rock. No disqualification. Uh, they have a stare down, uh, and they have some trash talking. Triple H actually does... Uh, the like talk to the hand thing and he turns it into the WWF Smackdown Just Bring It for the PlayStation 2 available at all retailers today sign yeah. um, and Rock doesn't like that so he starts punching Triple H into the corner the match has started 
Uh, Irish Whip reverse, but Rock still gets a clothesline. Some more punches. Uh, Triple H is punched over the top rope out of the ring, and he was like gonna bump into the barricade, but he straight just bumps onto one of the one of the security guards. That I swear to God, he looks like EC3 looks now, with like the goatee and the shaved head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he just bumps right into one of the security guards on accident, and the dude completely no sold it, which I thought was funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rock goes to the outside of the ring, gets a big running clothesline to Triple H. Uh, he does a snake eyes. Uh, I'm sorry, his snake eyes into the barricade is reversed, uh, and Triple H hits one of his own, uh, which drops the Rock not on his face like a traditional snake eyes, but on his ribs, uh, and that plays a big part in the next two shows. Uh, he hits two of those right on the Rock's ribs on that barricade. Triple H rolls into the ring and then right back out like they do, like break the 10 count. But this is no DQ. There is no count. So I don't know yeah. why he did that other than out of um, uh, well, habit. What's the word I'm habit, yes. Yeah, that's, what, that's, that's the impression I got. Yeah, um, unless it's literally like just no DQ and there is count outs, which would be really dumb. Right. Yeah. Uh, Rock is thrown into the ring and Triple H follows him. Uh, punches by the Rock, but Triple H gets that kitchen stink uh, because we're all doing the kitchen stink, bro. Um, that's going to be my finish on the indies. I'm going to call it the kitchen stink. <laughs> okay. Uh, we get some stomps to the Rock's ribs. Uh, elbow to the Rock's chest on the apron. Rock tries to come back with punches, uh, but Triple H knees him in the gut twice. Uh, we get a shoulder check by Triple H in the corner. Get a whip to the rope and uh, punch the Rock's little tummy. Uh, awkward whip to the ropes, and Triple H gets an abdominal stretch on Rock while he holds on to the ropes. Uh, Rock finally hip tosses out of it for what felt like an eternity. I swear to God, he was in that smash for like a minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah, and the ref never noticed that Triple H was on the ropes either. Well, it's no DQ. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Damn it. Okay. We get some punches by the Rock. He goes for that spit punch, but he gets poked in the eye. Uh, they do the double clothesline, and both men are down now. Uh, we get a punch by Rock and a shit ton more punches, and he finally gets that spit punch, whipped to the ropes, and that belly-to-belly for a two-count. Uh, Rock gets poked in the eyes. Uh, Triple H goes for an Irish whip, but it gets reversed into a Rock spine buster, uh, and he hits the people's elbow, but his ribs are in too much pain to go for the pinfall at first. So he kind of lays there for a minute, and he eventually he crawls over, gets the cover, but since he waited so long, it's only a two count off that people's elbow. Uh, Rock corners Triple H, but Triple H gets a low blow in. Uh, Triple H throws Rock out of the ring. He grabs the stairs and hits Rock in the head with the with the steel steps. Uh, Rock is thrown back into the ring while Triple H, he goes under that ring and he gets out old Sledgy, his sledgehammer. Uh, and while this happened, Brock actually jumped the barricade and the security guards are surrounding him, but they're not doing anything. I guess they're not doing their fucking job. Um, Triple H low blows the ref, Earl Hebner, not girl Hebner. It wouldn't really work if she was low blowed. Yeah. Uh, and throws throws uh, Hebner out of the ring. And I, the crowd starts popping real big. And I'm like, what's going on? My man, the best wrestler of all time, Shawn fucking Michaels comes out. And he attacks Triple H. Uh, and the crowd's going insane. I really like this. The crowd got super into this match by the end. Oh, yeah. Triple H, uh, I'm sorry, Triple H is getting punched by Shawn Michaels a bunch. He goes to throw his third and his biggest punch, but he accidentally hits Brock off the apron, uh, and Triple H hits a clothesline on Shawn Michaels. 
Triple H goes for the pedigree on Shawn Michaels, but Rock stops it with punches. Rock runs off the ropes, but he gets hit with that knee face buster. Uh, he starts choking the Rock. Uh, Brock Lesnar goes to attack Shawn Michaels, but Shawn Michaels hits some punches and he hits a sweet chin music that Brock sold by jumping over the top rope, which looked beautiful. We've said this before. Brock Lesnar is an amazing seller. When, when he cares. wants to make you look good, he makes you look good like no other person even could. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned the crowd is on fire at this point. They are screaming. Everyone's out of their seats. Uh, Brock, after getting up from that super kick, he, he hops that barricade. He's leaving the arena. Rock hits the rock bottom on Triple H. And instead of finishing the match, Rock hops the barricade, and he goes to chase Brock Lesnar and Heyman. Uh, Shawn Michaels hits a very dangerous looking Pescado over the top rope like his leg got caught on the rope but he oh he, yeah he hit enough of it in, uh, onto Triple H and all the security guards and uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels end the show by brawling up the ramp while security attempts to break it up that is the end of Monday Night Raw that's probably the best ending of a show we've seen in weeks yeah, I was going to say most of the show was a dumpster fire, but not as bad as the dumpster fire we had before a global warning. Yeah. 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 I, I just think that, like, at least this ending made you want to see SummerSlam. Yeah, for sure. That's, yeah, definitely. So, I honestly, the ending to me was probably the highlight of the show. Not even the match itself, just the ending of the match. Yeah, like the last three to five minutes. Yeah. Well, that's it for Monday Night Raw. Now it's time to move on to SmackDown. SmackDown, Fayetteville, North Carolina, August 22nd, 2002. Uh, And... As for usual, SmackDown kind of just starts. Uh, and Brock and Paul Heyman are coming out. Uh, we get a lot of Rocky chants. Um, Heyman says that Brock knows who the number one box office attraction in WWE is. Brock knows who the biggest star in SmackDown history is. He knows who the biggest get in Hollywood is. Who's on the cover of all the magazines. Who's on Entertainment Tonight. Uh, Brock knows who the undisputed champion of the entire world is. Brock knows who has one of the biggest fan followings of all time. Uh, and Heyman says that he's not only talking about The Rock, but he's talking about another person, Hulk Hogan. But all that changed when Brock got his hands on Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Heyman says that the people only boo Brock out of jealousy. Heyman says Brock Lesnar will do to The Rock exactly what he did to Hogan. Uh, Heyman says... Brock wants Rock to get just a little bit of taste of SummerSlam tonight on SmackDown. So Heyman guarantees that Brock Lesnar and The Rock will collide tonight. Uh, Brock takes the mic, and he says he feels the same right now as he does when he fought Hogan. So he'll make Rock cry like a little bitch tonight. Um, Rock comes out, an obligatory big pop, huge pop for The Rock. Uh, the hard cam is on the opposite side, I noticed at this point. Did you, did you pick up on that, Dean? Uh, actually, no, I didn't. But now that you mention it, hmm. Yeah, because the entranceway usually is coming from the left, uh, and it's coming from the right here. I don't know why they did that. 
part of me wonders maybe this was an experiment to try to differentiate SmackDown more from Raw. It's possible, but I, 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 I assume they don't stick with it, though. I hope not, because it's awkward to me. It's mm. just not what we're used to. But at the same time, I remember specifically there was one episode of AEW where they did the same thing. So part of me thinks maybe it's the way some arenas are set up. I don't know. It's possible. Uh, Rock says that for a month now, he has told Brock Lesnar to WWF SmackDown, just bring it for the PlayStation 2, available at all retailers. IGN rated it 7.8 out of 10. But Brock's jacked up monkey ass has brought nothing to The Rock. Brock says tonight will be like no other. Rock says there will be no WWF SmackDown, just bring it for the PlayStation 2, available at all retailers. IGN rated it 7.8 out of 10, sold 400,000 units in North America. That joke is dead. That's what I uh, beat the dead horse on, Dean. I just want you to know that. We get paid every time we mention it. Yeah, dude, we're getting residuals off this game that came out in November 2001. Totally, man. Um, there will be no smell what The Rock is cooking tonight. Rock says since Brock Lesnar won't bring it, The Rock will bring it, and he'll bring it right about now. So he, he goes to walk down the ramp to get into the ring with Brock, but Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit attack him from behind. Uh, Benoit locks in that crossface, the crippler crossface on The Rock, while Eddie just stomps on The Rock. And the refs are trying to break it up. Dean, did you notice there was a really neat cameo in here? Someone that was trying to break everything up. Okay, so I saw this person, but they looked different than what I'm used to. Unless it's not the person I was thinking of. Finley, right? Yeah, okay. He is okay. head here. Yeah, okay. I was worried that I was crazy, but it really did look like it was Finley. Yeah, he did have a shaved head at one point before he would come back for like 2005, 2006 with Hornswoggle. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that blew my mind seeing him with a shaved head. Um, after this, we cut to commercial and we get a replay of what we just saw. And Edge is entering the arena to a pretty damn big pop for Edge. Yeah, it was. It was. I was, like. I took note of that too. He really yeah. did get a big pop. Uh, and he's just coming in with his duffel bag, and uh, Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero bust in and attack Edge. They're not done tonight. Um, did you notice another person who I noticed in this? And when I saw this person, I popped. This is the biggest I've popped watching these old shows. I popped so fucking hard when I saw this person. I must have not noticed the other person then. Oh my god. Johnny fucking Ace. John really? Laurinaitis was there. <laughs> I didn't notice him. He was trying to tend to Edge afterwards. Dean, have you heard the the Doctor Death John Laurinaitis story? Uh no, I have not. Oh my god. This is gonna take a minute, but it's so worth it. Okay. Okay. So uh Luke Gallows between his stints in WWE. He, uh, Kurt Hawk, he was on a show that Kurt Hawkins now and back then, Brian Myers, had where they talked about their time in like developmental and stuff. And uh, Luke Gallows said that um, around his time in developmental, it was about 2007, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, wrote a book. And Luke Gallows bought it with his own money and he read the entire thing within like a day. Yeah. Um, and he said that, uh, he, he thought the book was okay, but he bought it to be a wrestling book, and there was a lot of uh, football talk in there. As Dr. Death, Steve Williams was a former football player, a lot of talk about religion. Uh. And, and he said, listen, there's nothing wrong with that, but when you, when you buy a book 
written by a wrestler. You want it to be a wrestling book. That's just not what it was. Um, and then it just so happens a couple of weeks later, they're all in developmental in Deep South. And John Laurinaitis, he, he has a stack of books and he gives one to every single person. And he, he says, and I'm going to do my John Laurinaitis impression here. All right, everybody. Uh, everybody's got, uh, they got homework this week. Everyone's got to read this book. Ooh, I don't like and, where this is going. <laughs> and uh, Gallows, he already read the book once, so he didn't read it again. He was like, there was no need to. He said he, said he read the entire thing on the shitter in two hours. He mm-hmm. said it was a quick read. Uh, and it turns out that the reason they were told to read it is because, like a literal school, they had a quiz on it. Huh, okay. That's kind of weird. They go to do this quiz. And uh, Blue Gallows Festus, his real name's Drew, which comes into play later. Mm. He, he fills it out, puts his name on the top, turns it in. His tag team partner, uh, Jesse, as he was known in WWE, real name Ray Gordy, the son of legend Terry Gordy. Slam Master J. Slam Master J. He, um, he's looking at this test, and he looks pissed. He's kind of eyeballing it. He's looking at it. He writes his name up top, doesn't answer a single question, turns it in. And uh, that's it. Festus, Gallows, Drew, whatever. Thought that was weird, but they go on. A week later, uh, Johnny Ace comes into developmental, and he sees Jesse Festus, and he says, Drew, Ray, in my fucking office now. Okay. And Gallows, he said, he said immediately, he's like, it's that fucking test, isn't it? So they walk in, and Lauren Ice is ripping him open. He's like, oh, you guys want to disrespect a legend? Dr. Death was doing 20-minute finishes in Japan in the Budokan because you think your work is so good and all that. And he's yelling at him. She's okay. And um, Gallows raises his hand. And uh, because, because Lauren Ice says, you guys think it's okay to not answer any fucking question on that test and turn it in. And Gallows raises his hand. He's like, um, sir, to be respectful here, I bought the book with my own money. I read the whole thing, answered all the questions. I know for a fact I got a 10 out of 10 on it. I don't want to speak for my partner, but maybe there's a reason he could have of why he didn't uh, take the test seriously. And Johnny Ace goes, oh, well, uh, Drew, I didn't think about that. Uh, well, I guess you're free to go. So Gallows leaves, but he immediately puts his ear up to the door to hear what the fuck's going on in there. And he gives, he yells at Jesse more like he already did. Um, and Jesse, Ray Gordy, son of Terry Gordy. Terry Gordy teamed with Dr. Death in Japan. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jesse's getting yelled at, and he goes, he goes, you know what, John? Fuck Dr. Death. And Gallows was like, oh, my God, we're going to get fired right now. <laughs> this man just said, fuck Dr. Death. And he starts yelling. He's like, Dr. Death's fucking dead. My dad's dead. They teamed in Japan. He fucking owed my mom money. And he's going off on Johnny Ace. He's like, oh, my God, he's yelling at our boss. And we're in developmental. And after all that, Johnny Ace goes, oh, well, Ray, I didn't think about that. I guess you guys are just uh, free to go. And Jesse, oh, okay. walks out, Jesse walks out of there and he says, let's go to catering, boy. And that's the end of that story. Damn, okay. I was expecting there to be more of a backlash. Okay. No, I guess if you just yell at Johnny Ace, he does nothing about it. 
actually weirdly that reminds me of a time Jericho when Jericho was undisputed champion. He said that Vince really appreciated something Jericho did because he basically said, "Vince, either start treating me like a champion or you can go fuck yourself." Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, and Vince was like, "Damn straight, now you're acting like a champion." No, bro, that's not how you're supposed to treat your boss. <laughs> y'all shouldn't have to do that. Speaking of using the term "y'all" like you did that one time, I'm about to use it here as we go into our first match after that, uh, after that uh, love letter to Johnny Ace. Ah, yes. Um. Our first match, Hurricane and Shannon Moore taking on Cruiserweight champion Jamie Noble and Tajiri in a tag match. And I said, y'all already know this is probably going to be my favorite match. Yeah. Because y'all got mad at me for liking Jamie Noble and Hurricane the most, a global warning. You guys know I used to, at least used to be a big Shannon Moore, Mark. Y'all know I love Tajiri. Yeah. Um, so during the entrance for Hurricane and Moore, uh, I forgot about this. Remember when Hurricane had like the custom spotlight that was his logo? Yeah, yeah. I loved that. It looks so cool. Um, Tajiri and Shannon Moore start things off with a lockup. Uh, Tajiri gets in a wrist lock, and Moore gets his own wrist lock in after a roll through and a kip up. Uh, Tajiri pulls Shannon Moore down by his hair. Whipped to the corner, up and over by Moore, a backflip and an arm drag, and a spinning heel kick for a two count. Uh, Hurricane's tagged in, and they do that backslide leg drop combo that we, we talked about uh, last week. Uh, Noble runs in and immediately gets punched by the Hurricane to the outside of the ring. Uh, Crossbody off the top by Hurricane for a two count. Uh, we get that back body drop kick spot with Tajiri being the one that gets the kick in. Uh, tag to Jamie Noble. We get an arm drag to Jamie Noble and a beautiful Shining Wizard by the Hurricane for a two count. Oh, yeah. Uh, Shannon Moore tagged in. Diving Hurricane Rana to Jamie Noble. Noble powders to the outside of the ring. Uh, Shannon Moore hits a Pescado onto Noble. Uh, Noble gets thrown back into the ring by Shannon Moore. And Nydia starts to make out with Shannon Moore. And Shannon Moore, like, legit seemed like he didn't want to do that. I can't blame him. Well, yeah, but... Yeah, I said it. Yeah, I said it. That's not shocking, Nate. That's all good. Listen, I think there's there's a good possibility that Shannon Moore was like, hey, one, I just don't want to kiss this woman. Or I don't want to kiss this woman. I have a woman in my life. There you go. That that is possible. Um, you know he wants to respect Jamie Noble. That's true. Like Funaki uh, <laughs> used to. He didn't this time. We'll get to that. Yeah, That's the best yeah. segment of the whole fucking show. Best segment in pro wrestling history. We'll get there. Uh, Nidia goes to suck Shannon Moore's dick in front of everybody. Uh, that was a thing. But to, okay, so this was a good spot. She like starts like rubbing on his chest, and you know she like gets on her knees. Right in front of him, and then Tajiri just kills him with a roundhouse kick. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. Uh, Shannon Moore's thrown back into the ring, and Jamie Noble gets a two count. It'll be a snapmare by Noble and a tag to Tajiri. Uh, Tajiri gets him back up and hits his own snapmare and kick to the head, followed by a headlock. Uh, Moore starts to power out with elbows, but uh, Tajiri elbows Moore in the head multiple times. Uh, we get a body slam attempt reversed by Shannon Moore when he floats over. Uh, Tajiri goes for that handspring back elbow, but he gets caught by Shannon Moore into a back suplex. Both men are down. Jamie Noble tagged in in a hot tag to Hurricane. We get a clothesline to Noble, a back elbow to Tajiri, a punch to Noble, a flying clothesline to Jamie Noble. Uh, His head's thrown into the corner, and he gets that blockbuster off of Brett's rope for the two count. Uh, He goes for the eye of the Hurricane, uh, but it gets reversed. with a whip to the ropes, Noble misses a clothesline. He gets goozled up for that choke slam. 
but uh, Noble elbows his way out. Uh, blind tag to Hurricane uh, by Shannon Moore, and they hit what was essentially the G9. Do you remember that move? No, I don't. Yeah. So that's like one dude would have him in the uh, Samoan drop, and the other guy would hit him with a neckbreaker. Isn't that kind of like what Crime Time did? Is their yes, finisher I, too? Yes, I put right here, uh, R.I.P. Big Shad Gaspard. Yeah. That story is very sad. We're not going to get into it here, but God, God bless him. What good boy he was. Good guy. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Shannon Moore gets a two when Tajiri breaks that pin attempt up after the G9. Uh, Tajiri gets some punches on Moore, and Hurricane throws Noble into the corner for some punches. Uh, Noble reverses, and Hurricane is now in the corner. Tajiri is whipped to the opposite corner of them uh, by Shannon Moore. We get the uh, Tarantula, the Tarantula, by Tajiri to Shannon Moore. I have the Hurricane is hit on Jamie Noble. Uh, he gets goozled, Tajiri does, and a choke slam by Hurricane. Hurricane actually hits it. He does not hit it very often. Uh, uh, quick question, actually. Yeah. Was the Eye of the Hurricane ever his finisher at one point? Had to have been. I'm pretty sure it was. I feel like it was at one point before he started doing the choke slam. But yeah, yeah. sorry. I, didn't, I was curious. Go ahead. Um, so yeah, we get that choke slam hit. Um, Moore gets onto Noble's shoulders like a like an electric uh, chair drop, and he gets stun gunned out of it. Uh, and Noble goes for the Gibson driver, but Moore actually rolls through that power bomb attempt for a three count. And then after that, Jamie Noble just fucking annihilate Shannon Moore. I don't remember exactly what he hit, but he killed him with it. Um, uh, both Tajiri and Noble just start stomping down Shannon Moore. Uh, Hurricane comes in for the save. Uh, Noble is thrown out of the ring. And then Matt Hardy shows up, but he's a little late. You know, he's yeah. going to always be there for his pals, which he is there, but like the threat was already pretty much gone. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, Matt, he does the loading V1 pose. He raises the face's hands, uh, Hurricane and more. And then, you know, he wants to celebrate with his friends. They're all from Omega. They're in their home state of North Carolina. Yeah. And um, he says, guys, put me up on your shoulders. I Oh, what that the? So <laughs> yeah, funny. that was good. That was good. That was good. After that, we're backstage with Stephanie McMahon, GM. Uh, she sees Benoit and Eddie Guerrero hanging out near a golf cart, and she she uh, she's very mad. She says, "I want to talk to you guys right now." Uh, Stephanie wants to know what they were thinking attacking The Rock when he'll be main eventing SummerSlam in just seventy two hours. So, yeah. Mm. Well, no, no, no. Hold on, because I know where you're going, and it gets mentioned in this promo. Really? Yeah, it does. I still got a problem, but go ahead. That's okay. We we'll we'll, we'll talk to that yeah. when we get to that exact part. Yeah. Um. But what were they thinking attacking The Rock when he'll be main eventing SummerSlam in just 72 hours? Uh, Steph says that if Rock can't compete at SummerSlam, then Benoit and Eddie are going to get a massive pay cut uh, as a repercussion. Benoit says, Stephanie, you're being real hypocritical because weren't you the one that asked me to make The Rock squeal last week? And Stephanie says, you know what? That's true. I did want you to make him tap but only in a competitive manner. I only wanted you to do that so you could send a message to RVD and Bischoff to show that we on SmackDown mean business. Uh, I don't like that you guys went um, into business for yourselves and you didn't try to like have a match with him. You tried to intentionally injure him. So before I go on to this, is the, I know that as Undisputed Champion, you go in between shows at this point, yeah. um, but isn't The Rock technically raw? 
or is he SmackDown? Oh, you okay? You're going somewhere else with this, which I was kind of thinking. Ooh, and I only set up because technically speaking, wouldn't it be in Stephanie's best interest for The Rock to be hurt going into the match? Still, even beyond the contradiction of this week and last week, I still think to myself, wouldn't it be in her best interest for Rock to go in hurt so Brock is more likely to win and bring the title to SmackDown? Okay, that's actually a really good point. I think he's technically raw. Yeah. All things considered. Um, But at one point she mentions, like, this is SmackDown's main event, which I thought was a little weird, but technically it is because if you kind of tally up uh, what brands each person's on, Rock is on both Raw and SmackDown, but Brock is exclusive to SmackDown, so that's still two to one for SmackDown technically. Yeah. Also, But I will say this. If anything, I almost feel like it would have made more sense for her to take issue with them attacking Edge. Uh, she she did briefly mention that, but you no, know, she was much more worried about Rock being attacked. Yeah, it just feels like because I, I don't know, I feel like she would want the Rock to be hurt, and even beyond the contradiction. It seemed like she would want the Rock to be hurt, but I would totally get why she'd be pissed off about Edge being hurt. Right. Uh, Stephanie says that Bischoff messed up on Raw when he put Rock in a no DQ match as Triple H almost broke The Rock's ribs. Uh, But Stephanie will not allow something that heinous to happen on her show, her SmackDown. Uh, Stephanie mentions that she strongly disagrees with Eddie attacking Edge, uh, even if they have a match at SummerSlam, which is this is the first time on air that that match just got made, essentially, but they said it as if it was already made, Mm. which was weird, but that's definitely the first time us fans knew that this match was going to happen. Sometimes it makes me wonder, like, when we watch these shows, because sometimes things get announced on the website. Like, Were they, they really doing that in 2002? I, maybe not. I just remember, at least when I... Yeah, 2002, they might have not been doing that at that point, now that I think yeah. about it. Um, but yeah, that's the first time we hear about this match. Benoit, Eddie, and Steph all kind of start talking over each other. They're arguing. And then Edge appears, and he hits Benoit on the back with a chair. Eddie immediately runs away, and Steph kind of just sidesteps. She's getting out of the way as quick as possible, but she doesn't completely leave. Um, Edge says to Steph that she better make a tag match tonight. He wants it to be Edge and The Rock taking on Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit. And Stephanie agrees. That's the main event of tonight's SmackDown. Uh, after this, backstage, Hurricane, Matt Hardy, and Shannon Moore, they're, they're, they're all hanging out. Uh, Matt says, wow, guys, my pop this week was like 10 times louder than last week. Um, Matt says that Hurricane Moore, you know, you guys got a decent reaction, but mine was sharks. Um, Hurricane, uh, he isn't he isn't mean about it, but he's just like, yeah, man, you hometown boy, you know. And Matt's like, whoa, 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 whoa that's not true. Uh, and then he gets a cheap pop by name dropping a uh, North Kakalaki. Uh, Matt says, I get that reaction anywhere I go, twenty four seven, brother. Matt says, listen, Hurricane, I'll bet money that if I go out there right now my reaction will be twice as loud as it just was. And Hurricane, like, really reluctantly took that bet. He said, sure. Like, you can tell mm, more yeah. Hurricane are getting annoyed with Matt. Matt's really uh, thinking he's the shit right now yeah. the past two weeks. Uh, and Matt heads back out. He, he They show him walk all the way through gorilla position. And he sees Gerald Briscoe. He's like, hey, man, can you hit my music? I got to go do my thing. 
which was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Matt comes down. He gets a decent pop. It's definitely not twice as big as the pop he got. Yeah. Uh, it, well, it, it also I will say that's kind of the law of diminishing returns. When you have two entrances, it's kind of hard to. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Get, get the same pop in the same place at the same night. Right. Now, given that this was taped, I think they should have like piped in massive like rock like pops to like feed Matt well, Hardy's yeah. ego. <laughs> like it'd be funny if they did that, but like. In kayfabe, they well not out of kayfabe. They want to show Matt as being kind of delusional and being a bit of a prick. So it makes sense not to pipe it in. Now, if he was a face trying to do that, it would make sense to pop it in, to to pipe the stuff in. Actually, yeah. Um, so he does his entrance. He's in the ring, and Chavo Guerrero of all people comes out, and he says, "Matt, man, you gotta chill." And then we hear a very loud crowd member just scream, "You suck, Chavo!" And (laughs) yeah, I heard that. It catches him off guard. He like shoots the dude a look and he's like, What the fuck did I do? Damn. <laughs> um You'll never uh, be Chavo classic. That's true, bro. Uh Chavo wants to know who Matt thinks he is, wasting everyone's time like this. And he says, Listen up, white boy. Uh and he says, Matt, let's see what reaction you get when you lose to Chavo Guerrero tonight. And right there it is. We have an impromptu match. Matt Hardy taking on Chavo Guerrero. Uh, Chavo charges into the ring and he goes for a punch, but Matt uh, blocks it and hits some of his own. Uh, there's no ref in the ring yet, so this match is not official. Bell hasn't rung. They're kind of just fighting at this moment. Yeah, uh, he's first. Whip, yeah, we get a whip off the ropes and a back elbow by Matt. Uh, at this time, referee Mike Kyoto gets in the ring and he rings the bell. Uh, fist drop, whip to the corner, and a 10 punch spot by Matt, uh, Matt Hardy. And Damon told me that I did not catch this. During the uh, 10 punch spot, Matt hit nine of them, got down, and then hit the 10th one as a regular yeah. standing punch. And apparently Taz said on commentary, oh, my God, North Carolina can count to nine. Oh, I didn't catch that. I That's didn't hilarious. catch that. He goes for uh, uh, his Irish whip. Matt Hardy's Irish whip gets reversed, but he gets that upper hand uh, kicking Chavo when Chavo goes for that back body drop. Matt rushes, and he gets dropped toe holded top uh drop toe held to the outside of the ring however you want to say it yeah uh chavo exits the ring and he uh he takes matt and he just rushes him back first into the ring apron uh matt is thrown back in and chavo hits a pescado from the apron to the inside of the ring hits a disgusting just brutal looking european uppercut looked great uh with some stomps to matt in the corner and a kick to the face uh, Matt starts coming back with some punches. Chavo's whipped to the corner, but he gets that elbow up. Uh, back suplex by Chavo for a two count. Uh, Matt tries to come back with punches, but Chavo gets a knee to the gut and an octopus stretch. Uh, Matt picks him up in that octopus stretch, uh, and Chavo rolls through for a one count, but Matt rolls through for a jackknife cover for a two count. Matt hits a clothesline, and both men are down for some reason. Like, they tried to say that Chavo also hit a clothesline, but he definitely didn't. Yeah, it didn't look that way. Uh, both men trade some punches, and Matt gets the upper hand with a back body drop and a neck breaker for a two count. Uh, a Irish whip is reversed, and Chavo misses the stinger splash in the corner. Uh, Matt rushes him in the corner, but he eats a boot. Chavo goes for the flying nothing, I guess. Like, he wasn't going to hit shit, and he just gets <laughs> caught with a side effect for a two count. Uh, Chavo goes for a punch, but Matt hits this, like, so he, like, it's a back suplex, right? But he then he takes his elbow and like throws his elbow over Chavo, kind of like the eye of the hurricane. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh yeah, that's I think that move is like called uh, ricochet. Really? 
Yeah, I think so. Huh. Yeah, I think at least that's what the games always called it. Huh, okay. Uh, we get the leg drop off the top, and Matt goes for the twist of fate. But boom, Kane's pyro goes off. Um, and I just realized a huge problem here. Give me just a second. Okay. The suspense. Are we on the same page? Yeah. Well, here's okay. So here's the thing. We somehow, well, by somehow I mean my dumbass because I'm the one that's supposed to be hosting. We completely left out a part from Raw. Oh shit! Really? We didn't mention that right when that time limit expired in the hardcore match. Kane's pyro hit. Oh, okay. And the video says a date with the devil, a dance with his mistress. My path is chosen. And the, my point is, we get that same exact video that plays in the middle of this uh, Matt Hardy Chavo Guerrero match. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chavo actually gets a roll up for the surprising three count win. So I'm just going to say it Matt Hardy was robbed. Okay, so this is one of the funniest things ever. Matt showed so much personality here. He starts arguing with Mike Yoda. And you hear him say, listen, everyone knows that if an explosion goes off, the match automatically ends. Like, I like that he (laughs) thinks that's, like, a common rule that, like, that had to be written down at some point. And, like, everyone knows that. And then Matt says, listen, me losing Mike Kyoto, that's the biggest tragedy since Brett was screwed in Canada. And Mike Kyoto's like, the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) The look he gave him was like, dude, what? Yeah, I really liked Matt's performance there. The I did, but like Matt, Matt is a tremendous promo at this time. Oh, he is. I just still, I, I mean, and I'm not even saying this like to like back him up as a heel. I mean this legitimately. Matt Hardy was actually screwed. Like that, that count was fast as fuck, dude. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. Yes, that count was fast. Like, it was like, one, two, three. I'm like, whoa, like, are they actually, like, playing it up like Matt Hardy was actually screwed? But, like, it's never mentioned. Yeah, I think maybe Kyoto was caught up in the moment. Yeah. Like, real talk. I don't, I don't know why he counted so fast. Because Matt didn't say anything about the fast count. He said, listen, bro, everyone knows that when Pyro goes off, the match is over. Yeah. Um, after this, we're backstage with SmackDown's number one announcer, Funaki. Uh, he says, after commercial... He's going to take us to the place no man has ever been. The women's locker room. <laughs> and Funaki's like acting like a teenager. He says women's locker room. And he's like, oh, the women's locker room, you know? Mm. And I said, it's like adorable how he's acting. He's so excited. Now, should he be excited to go into the women's locker room? Maybe not. But like, for some reason, it works. For, it, very, he comes off as very naive and kind of sweet in a sense. And I, I don't know. It works well for Funaki. It really does. Yeah. Not not a lot of other people could pull off having that charm that Funaki has. Yeah. Um, so they come back from commercial, and he repeats exactly what he just said. Um, and when he gets in there, he runs into a half-naked Nydia. She has no shirt or bra on. Um, and she's very excited to see Funaki. Uh, and Molly Holly is in there, and she's like, what are you doing in here? And Funaki, with the best line of the show, he said, I'm doing a three-part series on the women's locker room. <laughs> like, why was he, like, a journalist doing some, like, big cover story on this? Um, Molly says, uh, Funaki, you need to get out. Like, I could have been changing. 
and Funaki gets super excited. And he's like, yes, you changing. That's where the story lies. And I was like, bro, Funaki, what are you doing right now? Yeah. Uh, Molly asks Nidia if, like, Funaki being there and the camera bothers her. And Nidia just mean mugs the camera, kind of breaks the fourth wall. And she's like, oh, I love the camera. And I thought that was funny. Yeah. Uh, Molly tells Funaki that um, Funaki's got to leave so she can get ready for her title match. She's actually defending it against Nidia tonight, uh, which Taz mentioned on commentary when Jamie Noble came out for the tag match. Uh, Nidia says, Funaki, you don't have to leave. Uh, in fact, Funaki, I know you're really here to appreciate my breasts. And I was like, oh, God, here we go again. Yeah. And now you remember how last week Funaki said, listen, I don't want to do anything with you. You're dating Jamie Noble. Jamie Noble's my friend. Yeah, yeah. Something changed where Funaki doesn't give a fuck about Jamie Noble anymore because <laughs> he totally, I mean, he takes a look. He's there to appreciate, apparently. Mm-hmm. The, Molly is grossed out by this. She said, Nidia, how can you be so gross and so loose? And Nidia says, I'm not loose. I'm just open. You know, I don't care. And neither does Jamie, which that makes her sort of redeemable in a sense, like kind of yeah. like a face. But here's the thing. it make her a full-on face if she didn't use her quote-unquote openness to her her and Jamie's advantage and benefit. That's the key. The that, that is the key. That is the key. Right, but they kind of throw that in to uh, make Nydia sort of the face for this match later. Um, Nydia says that when she, when she beats Molly for the title, uh, the title won't be the only thing she's holding over her head because she'll also be holding her shirt over her head, showing her breasts to the entire world. And Molly's disgusted by this. She's like, Nidia, you are a pig. And she storms off. She's flustered. She doesn't want to keep hearing about this. She doesn't like hearing about this stuff. Uh, Nidia walks out. Like, because the whole time she was like hiding behind this like crate, like getting changed. Mm-hmm. And she walks out and she's wearing a, uh, a black bra. And uh, she kind of, you know, she pushes uh, herself together, you know. And Funaki stares a hole into uh, her chest, and he looks into the camera and he says, "I love SmackDown." <laughs> uh, I, I do too, does. Funaki. I bet you do, dude. Uh, cut to commentary, and both Taz and Cole, for no particular reason, say they really want a new women's champion tonight. Um, and uh, the reason we're actually at commentary is they have an interview with Rey Mysterio, who is backstage. Uh. Cole mentions Mysterio, you will be facing Kurt Angle at SummerSlam. Uh, and Ray says he can't wait for the match. Uh, he says that when most people see, you know, Ray Mysterio next to Kurt Angle, they see a huge size difference. But Ray says he beat Kurt two weeks ago, proving that he can hang with Kurt Angle. Uh, Cole goes to ask a following question, but Kurt Angle approaches Mysterio backstage. Angle says, Ray, I think you got that mask on just a little too tight, buddy. Uh, and he says, that the reality of how professional wrestling works must not reach down to your level, Ray, uh, because you could never hang with me. You could never hang with Kurt Angle. Uh, Kurt says he'll give Ray a little dose of reality. All Ray has to do is relax, sit back, probably in a booster seat, and watch Kurt Angle take on Billy Kidman tonight. Uh, Kurt said he requested this match so he can show Ray a beating that would make him run to the border. <laughs> um, Cole apologizes to Rey Mysterio for Kurt's comments as Kurt like walks out of frame, but he immediately comes back in. And he says, "Oh Ray, if you try to interfere like you did last week, if I see your face, if I even see a mask, I will make sure I break your ankle at SummerSlam." 
uh, we cut to commercial, and it's the aforementioned Kurt Angle taking on Billy Kidman. We get loud, loud "You suck" chants. Uh, they're only—I'm telling you—they're only getting louder. They're not going to quiet down. Oh yeah, at all. We start with a lockup and a fireman's carry to Kidman. Uh, he's got this like arm hold submission, and Angle goes for a second fireman carry. Uh, but Kidman like flips through and lands on his feet. That looks sick. I've never seen that. Oh yeah, it was nice. Uh, Angle misses a clothesline, gets hit with a tilt roll, head scissors, and a drop kick. Uh, Angle immediately realizes he's in trouble. He knows that he can't do the high flying stuff like Billy Kidman. He's not as fast as Kidman, so he immediately grabs that angle and he locks in the angle lock. Uh, but Kidman was already on the ropes from the beginning, so Angle has to let go. Um, Kidman. Uh, at this point is now on the apron. He shoulder checks Angle and does a front flip over the top rope and over Angle's back to get back into the ring. Kidman off the ropes and hits a nice pop-up Hurricane Rana. Uh, Kidman rushes Angle in the corner, but he eats an elbow and three German suplexes. Uh, And then Mysterio's pyro hits and he does the big jumping entrance out of the stage. Uh, Kurt leaves the ring to like go chase Mysterio, but Mysterio immediately just goes backstage and Kurt is kind of looking back and forth between the ring and uh, Rey Mysterio, and he's like, well, shit, I got to get back in the ring. I don't want to lose this match. So Kurt gets back in. He rushes Kidman in the corner, but Kidman's able to get the boots up. Big belly-to-belly by Kurt Angle. We get some stomps by Angle. Uh, we get uh, Kidman gets his head thrown into the corner, and Angle just gets in some more punches and stomps. A backbreaker to Billy Kidman for a two-count. Some more stomps and a choke to Billy Kidman. Uh, Kidman starts coming back with some punches. Uh, his Irish whip is reversed. Uh, where was I at? Sometimes you get lost in the sauce on these matches because there's so many times I say Irish whip reverse because every Irish whip gets fucking reversed. It's because Trent's on the sauce. What do you mean? What do you mean? You trying to say I'm on the juice or something, huh? Mm. What do you mean I'm on the sauce? So you guys can't see Trent uh, like we can, but he is steroided out. I'm telling you. Oh, haha. Ha. Okay, very funny. You get a little bit of gynoclamastia, and everyone thinks you're doing the roids. What am Jinder I Mahal. Jinder Mahal is totally legit, man. Jinder Mahal is disgusting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's filthy. Um, so, uh, Irish Whip is reversed, in, uh, but Kidman does like an up and over and gets a head scissors on Kurt Angle. That's where I was going with it. And Kurt flies to the outside of the ring. And he starts to get up, and he sees a Mysterio mask in the crowd, and he immediately thinks it's Rey Mysterio fucking with him. So he gets startled, and he, like, jumps back for a second. He rips the mask off, and it's just some dude. It's just some fan. Yeah. And when Angle realizes that, he takes the mask, and he pie-faces the dude with it. And I was like, Kurt, what do you do? You can't be assaulting fans, bro. Come on. I, I love the moment, though. I did love that moment. Uh, Kidman hits a big top rope crossbody to the outside on Kurt Angle. Uh, Kurt gets thrown back in the ring. Uh, Angle starts punching and Kid, uh, Kidman back in the ring. Uh, we get a whip to the ropes, and Kidman hits a flying forearm, a second one as well. Goes for a clothesline, but Angle catches him and goes for a German. And Kidman reverses uh, with a roll-up for a two-count. Uh, Angle gets two knees to the gut and goes for a back suplex, but Kidman's able to land on his feet. And uh, Kidman hits what I'm going to now we'll call the running bowl dog. Remember when Bo Dallas did it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the running bowl dog. Uh, for a two count, uh, Irish whip reversed. Uh, Billy Kidman's Irish whip is reversed, but he's still able to hit a tornado DDT for a two count. Uh, Kidman gets up on Kurt's shoulders and like goes for the victory roll, but Kurt actually catches his ankle for the angle lock. Uh, Kidman rolls through out of that angle lock and hits a nice enziguri. 
uh, Kidman goes up to the top rope for a shooting star, but Angle uh, runs up the ropes and hits a top rope belly to belly. The fucking bump Billy Kidman took off of that. Ooh, he, took yeah. it, he took it like on his knees. Ugh, I'm surprised yeah. his knee didn't explode. Yeah, it was brutal. I would not take that bump. Oh no. That being said, when I'm, when I'm on the indies, I don't bump for anyone, brother. I'm always going the fuck over. Um, <laughs> uh, Kurt goes for the angle slam, uh, but Kidman lands on his feet. Kurt goes for a clothesline, but he accidentally hits our reverie Brian Hebner, and Brian Hebner took all of that bump. He like landed on like his shoulder and shit. It looked nasty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kurt goes to uh, run at Kidman, but Kidman low bridges the ropes and uh, Kurt Angle flies out of the ring. Uh, Kurt brings a chair in the ring as the referee is down and he swings it at Kidman, but he misses and Kidman actually drop kicks the chair into Kurt Angle's face uh, for a two count. Uh, Kidman goes for that rebound lariat. You know, he throws the dude chest first into the turnbuckle. The guy walks out of the turnbuckle and gets clotheslined. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he goes for that, but Kurt actually catches him for the angle slam. Uh, Ray shows up on the top rope and hits a seated senton on Kurt Angle, which I don't know how, but Brian Hebner somehow didn't fucking see it. And also Taz called it like, or Taz or Michael Cole called it like a something West Coast pop. That's No, the West Coast pop is a springboard seated senton. This was just off the top rope. Yeah, yeah. I refuse to call it the West Coast pop. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even, even if it wasn't off the top rope, it just, it wasn't even the right move remotely. Yeah. Uh, Kurt, at this point, he's a, he's officially pissed off now. Uh, so he chases Ray backstage. Uh, and by doing that, he's counted out, giving Billy Kidman the win. Uh, Kurt gets back in the ring. He's arguing. He's like, dude, that was all Ray's fault. You know, he got involved multiple times, distracted me multiple times. Uh, Kurt takes his frustrations out by hitting a German uh, suplex on Billy Kidman and just starts punching him over and over. Uh, and what he does, he angle slams Kidman over the top rope to the outside of the ring. Yeah, that was. I actually thought that was a pretty cool, cool way to end out this. Yeah, good spot in general. Like I'd like to see that in a rumble. That would actually be really cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Rock is backstage, and a doctor is checking on the Rock's ribs. He's in obvious pain. That was that segment. Uh, <laughs> that's all that happened. It was like ten seconds. Oh come on, man! Those are the greatest segment in SmackDown history. Uh, we get a hype package for Brock Lesnar. It shows Brock working out with sticks and logs like a fucking Viking. Um, he punches a punching bag. He does push-ups on a chair because regular push-ups bore him, he says. Uh, he takes an ice bath, and he's the next big thing. That, that's what that was. There really wasn't uh, much there. I'll say this. I do kind of like that they're trying to sell Brock. as like, no, this guy is actually not just a big dude. He's actually legit. Oh, yeah. Uh, we cut back to the, uh, to the Rock still holding his ribs. And his tag team partner for tonight, Edge, walks in. And he's like, he, he's kind of somber, but he's like, Rock, are you good? Like, you sure you can do this? And Rock says, of course I'm good, except for Benoit put me on the cro- in the crossface earlier and Eddie Guerrero doing the Macarena on my ribs. <laughs> um, Edge says that Benoit and Eddie are out of control. Um, Rock says that they're going to get their monkey asses kicked. Uh, Edge asks if Rock is worried about his ribs. And Rock says, the Rock's ass, he's worried about his own ribs. Uh, he says it's no big deal, and there's no quit in the Rock. Uh, Rock says they could take out one of his legs, and he would hobble his way to kick their ass. And they then, got, a, got a pretty big pop for that part, actually. Okay, but here's where it gets really just stupid, and I didn't like it. Um, he says that his opponents could take one of his testicles, 
or as he calls it, one of the people's testicles. Oh, boy. And what Rock would do was he would throw his other one up in the air. Everyone would admire and be like, wow, that's a nice testicle. And then mm. while everyone's looking at it, Rock would shine his boot up, catch the testicle in his mouth, spit it out, <clears throat> and then Edge yells, then you chop that boot up a candy ass. What? So fucking... That's this the man said, "I'm a gargle up on my own fucking nuts," <laughs> okay. and then okay. uh, win. What? And also, what Edge said didn't really have anything to do with what The Rock was saying, like at all. This was a terrible promo. I wanted to. Die. Okay. Okay, and I'm not gonna lie. I I got thrown off a little bit there earlier when I said the the Rock getting checked out was the greatest segment. I thought we were already on this when I said that. I mean, this is the greatest segment of all time. It's not though. It's uh, great. Rikishi and John Cena. Uh, <laughs> Rikishi and John Cena are teaming up against Reverend Devon and Batista because that's what we're doing on the Go Home Show of SmackDown. Surprised they're still teaming together, but no, well, well, not for long. Uh, yeah, we get a replay of Batista murdering Devon while Nidia was trying to get felled up by Funaki last week, uh, and we see during the entrance Batista and Devon are still not getting along. So things are still very rocky between them. Uh, John Cena and Devon. Uh, start things off. We get a lockup and Cena and Devon trade wrist locks. Uh, Devon elbows Cena in the back of the head. Uh, some punches to Cena uh, by Devon. And Devon, after like every move, is he yelling at Batista? He's like, see, that's how it's done. That's how you win a match. That's what you do. Yeah, like all those matches you've been winning recently, Devon. Devon, he, he get he, I, oh, you don't know about this yet because. Like I, I read a little far ahead into what we're going to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devon actually faces Brock for the title, uh, and almost beats him at some at a, uh, on the next SmackDown. That's a joke. That doesn't happen. Okay, um, I was about to say like, what the fuck? <laughs> like yeah, what? They're they pushing Reverend Devon, bro. Okay. He just had to get rid of that dead weight Batista. Yeah, that fucking dead weight Dave <laughs> Batista. Who? What did he ever do? Who did he ever fucking beat? Huh? Oh damn. Uh. Cena is whipped to the ropes, but he reverses the body slam. He pushes Devon into a punch by Rikishi and a clothesline by Cena. The Kish dog, Big Kishi, is tagged in and punches Devon. Uh, whipped to the ropes, and Devon goes for a roll up, but Kishi starts slapping the cheeks, and Devon gets scared of that. Uh, we get a body slam by Rikishi and a leg drop. Whipped to the corner by Rikishi, but he eats an elbow. Uh, we get a flying punch by Devon. More yelling at Batista, and he eventually tags Batista in. Uh, Batista has a big clothesline on Rikishi, uh, throws Rikishi's head into the corner. He's throwing knees and shoulder checks to Rikishi's gut, uh, elbows to the back of the head, more punches. Uh, a whip is reversed by Rikishi and a clothesline in the opposite corner for Rikishi on Batista. Uh, we get some punches by Rikishi. Uh, whip to the ropes and a Samoan drop on Batista. Uh, another whip to the ropes and a blind tag by Devon and a clothesline to the Kish dog by Batista. I'm sorry. Other way around. Uh, was that blind tag acknowledged? Yes. Okay, because I remember there's just like a, I feel like there's a bit of a moment where like it wasn't really like it really didn't register for a while. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, I think what it was is like the ref saw it, but then like Rikishi or Cena or one of them didn't see it, so well, then they were. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing because Cena came in at that point and intercepted Devon, but. Rikishi kept fighting Batista. Uh, it, it was it was a little weird. Yeah, I don't think Rikishi really picked up on the blind tag for a good two minutes. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Uh, Devon gets in, uh, but he eats a flying former by John Cena. Uh, Cena 
is thrown out of the ring by Devon. Uh, Kishi's whip is reversed and Batista still eats a Savak kick. Reverse Ho train. Devon rushes and is thrown into Batista and Devon gets back body dropped. Kishi goes for the sting face on Batista, but Devon's able to stop it uh, just pretty much by pure distraction because he gets punched anyway. Yeah. Uh, the men start trading some punches. Uh, Devon knees Rikishi in the gut. John Cena drop kicks Batista to the outside of the ring. Uh, Devon clotheslines Rikishi. Uh, we get DDT by Rikishi to Devon. Uh, Cena Batista are on the outside just fighting each other. We get a reverse hoe train and a stink face to Devon. Uh, Batista clotheslines Rikishi, saving grace by Devon to John Cena. Uh, Devon starts yelling at Batista. Like, why the hell didn't you stop that stink face? I just got grown man ass shoved in my mouth. Uh, because that's what happens in professional wrestling. Yep. Uh, and he makes the fatal mistake of grabbing Batista by the face and yelling at him. Yeah. Uh, Batista didn't like that. And he officially turned on Devon by spine busting him and leaving the match. Uh, this causes Kishi to hit the bonsai drop. And that's one, two, three for the win. Yeah. I mean, the match served its purpose, I suppose. Yeah, which uh, it's really cool how, you know, they split these two up, Devon and Batista. And I don't think Batista does a fucking thing until, like, after Mania 19. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, backstage, Jamie Noble and Nydia. Uh, Jamie, uh, now th- this is w- what Jamie says, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that accent on. He said, you know, girl, you about to get one of them their championship belts like I got. Uh, and he said, Nidia, you're going to show the whole world what jugs are supposed to look like. Um, Jamie then sees a very fat old security guard. He says, Nidia, how about you give him a sneak preview of what's going to happen after you win tonight? Uh, Nidia flashes this old man, and the guy likes what he sees. <laughs> good for him. You know, good for, yep, good for him. Good for him. Uh, cut to commercial, and we're back. Nidia takes on Molly Holly for the WWE Women's Championship. And I put in all caps, oh my God, they announced Jamie Noble and Nidia are hosting SummerSlam from WWE World. They better cut to him, bro. They better cut to him during the broadcast. Are you kidding I, me with that? Hon- I honestly did not even know that until they said it. I, no I one had, knew that. I, I mean, I just, I just, I guess I would have thought maybe like I would have heard it through osmosis all these years, but nope, not really. Well, I, it's not like, you know, like, when Alexa Bliss hosts WrestleMania, like I imagine it wasn't anything important at all. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I asked, why isn't Trish getting a shot for the title of SummerSlam? How did Nidia even get this match? Since when was Molly able to go to both brands? A lot of stuff they never told us. You, you know, I would accept that more if they had previously established it. Just because, like, there's only one women's championship, so it would make sense that it would go between both right. brands. But, like, it's still kind of weird. Yeah. Because uh, this rule definitely doesn't last. Like, they kind of took all the women off SmackDown pretty much at one point. Yeah, they did. Like, and, and they I, just put I, them on I, Raw so, the, so SmackDown could have, like, the cruiserweights. And I, I mentioned this. Like, in the 2000... Like, 2000... It was SmackDown versus Raw 2006. I think I mentioned this a couple episodes ago. Yeah. At the time, Stacey Keebler was literally the only woman on the SmackDown roster in that game. Yeah. Um, to start off the match, we get a lockup and a wrist lock by Molly. Uh, Nidia rolls through and kicks Molly's hand off of her own hand to get a wrist lock. Uh, that turns into a hammer lock. Molly reverses with a fireman's carry. 
another lockup and headlock by Molly. Shot off the ropes, and Molly gets a shoulder block. Molly off the ropes, and Jamie swipes at her feet. Uh, and Nydia uses this distraction to get a schoolgirl pin for a two count, a backslide for a two count, a roll up for a two count. Nydia gets a headlock in, uh, whipped to the corner, but Molly hits Nydia with snake eyes. Nydia is thrown face first into the mat. And at first, what looked like a camel clutch is what I typed. Um, but then the ref started counting, you know, one, two, three, four. And I was like, huh? Mm. What she was actually doing was fish hooking Nydia, which is illegal. Ah, uh, okay. I missed put, that. Where, you know, you okay. put the finger in the mouth and you pull at the mouth. Uh, she does that twice. Uh, small package by Nydia for a two count. Uh, Molly misses a clothesline is pulled down by her hair twice. Uh, we get a catapult into the corner by Nydia and a schoolgirl for a two count. Uh, a whip to the corner reversed by Molly. Uh, she goes for that handspring back elbow into the corner, but Nydia moves and Nydia hits a DDT for a two count. Uh, Nydia gets Molly up top for a superplex, uh, but Molly knocks Nydia off the top rope and even kicks Jamie Noble off of the apron. Uh, and she hits her finish the Molly go round. Uh, for the win and title retention. And every time I watch Molly Holly do the Molly go round, I'm afraid she's going to blow her knee out mm, on that landing. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean, man. It's a rough landing. That rotation, that rotation and the fact that she has to land that way, it never looks like it's like a fun move to have to do every time. Right. Uh, something I loved, Jamie Noble grabs the mic just to ask if Nydia is okay. Like, he didn't have to grab the mic to just whisper in her ear, like, you okay? Yeah. But he's like, you okay, girl? Uh, he says that Nydia did okay in her match, but she got robbed. Uh, and Jamie says that the night hasn't exactly gone their way, but he's still cruiserweight champion. Nydia is still the prettiest girl he knows, and they're going to give the crowd what they want to see. So Nydia starts undoing her top, uh, but before you see anything, because obviously you're not going to, it's UPN's PG it's a yeah. fucking wrestling show. Uh, Molly drop kicks Jamie into Nydia uh, and Molly she's leaving up the ramp with her title and she screams that Nydia will never be champ and that you need to keep your clothes on which I thought was great yeah um, cuts commercial and Stephanie McMahon is out she thanks everyone for coming to Smackdown she says whether Bischoff likes it or not um, Smackdown will offer much better matches at SummerSlam than Raw uh, and Stephanie says she'll guarantee that SmackDown will steal the show at SummerSlam, which leads in to a hype package for SummerSlam that I just thought was a really cool hype package. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, it was yeah. nice. It was really nice. Really good voiceover, the the lady uh, announcing the matches. Uh, in the song that was used, uh, it's called Fight by Jim Johnson. Jim Johnson made everyone's fucking theme pretty much, unless it was like an actual licensed song. Um, also... Fight by Jim Johnston is not to be confused by the song Fight by Cephos, which is the name of Kevin Owens' song. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And our main event of SmackDown. This is the final match before our first, like, full-fledged big pay-per-view, SummerSlam 2002, which I'm very excited for. We're getting Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero taking on Edge and The Rock. Um, during the entrances, Edge immediately runs to the ring during his entrance. He takes that jacket off and he sprints to the ring. Clothesline to Eddie. He's trading strikes with Benoit. Uh, Eddie attacks Edge from behind and the heels start beating Edge down. Uh, Rock then finally comes out. Uh, we get a clothesline to Eddie. Punches to Benoit. Clothesline uh, to Benoit outside of the ring. Uh, Edge gets some punches in on Eddie. Both men start trading punches. 
and we find out that Eddie Guerrero and Edge are starting off as the legal men in this match. Edge's Irish whip is reversed, uh, but he's able to catapult Eddie Guerrero into Benoit, which knocks Benoit off of the apron. A clothesline to Eddie for a two count. We get some punches to Eddie Guerrero, but Eddie turns the tables and starts punching Edge in the back. With, you know, maybe not punches, but more so forearms. Uh, we get some elbows to the back of the head by Eddie to Edge, and Benoit gets tagged in. Uh, Edge's head is run into the corner. Uh, two chops. Edge turns the tables and uh, hits some terrible chops of his own. They weren't nearly as good as Benoit's. <laughs> it's kind of hard to chop as well as Benoit, if, I'm, if we're perfectly honest. That is true. Man, Dan, fucking Daniel Pewter found that one out. Even hard like, way. I mean, even like, I mean, and feel free to disagree. I don't even think Ric Flair chops as well as Chris Benoit. No. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, I'll agree with that. Um, the Irish whip is reversed, but Edge hits a clothesline. Get a flapjack for two count. Uh, Eddie jumps in the ring. He starts taunting Rock, which leads the Rock to get into the ring. Uh, and the ref is trying to get Rock out. Uh, and while the ref is distracted, Eddie starts attacking Edge from behind. Uh, stomps to Edge by Benoit. Eddie's tagged in. Tope Conhilo from the apron into the ring onto Edge's shoulder. Like, Edge was not exactly in position, but it still looked good. Mm. Uh, we get some stomps to Edge, some punches to Edge. Uh, whip off the ropes in the back elbow. Another Irish whip is reversed. Edge misses a clothesline, and Eddie just drop kicks him in the knee. Uh, Snapmare and a nice face wash. Uh, Benoit gets tagged in. Backbreaker to Edge for two count. Uh, and they keep cutting to Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman watching this match backstage. Um, Benoit is arguing with referee Mike Chioda uh, while Eddie elbows Edge in the back of the head with a sneak attack. Uh, Eddie's tagged in. He goes for the brain buster, but Edge lands on his feet just to eat a back elbow. Edge ducks a clothesline and a double flying forearm put both men on the mat. Benoit is tagged in and Rock gets a hot tag, punches Benoit. Irish whip is reversed, but Rock hits a DDT nonetheless. Uh, Eddie is thrown out of the ring, a dragon screw and a sharpshooter to Chris Benoit. Uh, Eddie breaks that sharpshooter up when he clotheslines Rock from behind. Uh, Kip up in a spine buster to Eddie. People's elbow uh, for a two count on Eddie when Benoit breaks it up, which makes no sense as Eddie was not the legal man, so that pinfall shouldn't have even been counted. You know, yeah. Now that you mention it, I didn't know. I didn't really think about it at the time, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, I'd like to point out that uh, that's the second week in a row that uh, the Rock's gotten a sharpshooter on Chris Benoit. That's fucked up. That's sacrilege, <laughs> bro. You don't see me. Uh, uh, um, I'm trying to think of something to liken it to. Fuck, I'm panicking. Someone help. Um. Don't see. Well, I was about to say six one nine. Yeah, you don't see me hitting the six one nine on a Mexican person, even though Rey Mysterio. That's not a good hold up. You don't see me hitting the suicide <laughs> dive on a Mexican person. Wait. Oh. What? Okay. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so Benoit drags Rock out of the ring and drops him ribs first on the announce table, and his head is th he's thrown head first into the ring post. Rock is. Uh, Rock is thrown back into the ring and a two count for Benoit. Uh, kicks to the Rock's ribs. Uh, Eddie is now officially tagged in. And he shoulder checks uh, in the corner to the Rock's tummy area. Snapmare and a two count. More kicks to the ribs. Uh, Rock starts coming back with some punches off the ropes, but he eats a drop kick by Eddie Guerrero. Benoit is tagged in and he goes for the cover, but only gets a two count. Uh, knee to the Rock's ribs and 
I was afraid we weren't going to get one, but we got a nice kitchen stink here. Uh, Edge knocked off the apron by Benoit, and Benoit lock, uh, locks in that crippler crossface on Rock. And Rock begins to pass out. Um, he's starting to fade, and Eddie, uh, you, we see him pulling the bottom rope even further away from the Rock. He's pulling it in the opposite direction of the rest of the ring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was great. Oh, yeah, that was great. That was a really nice touch. Uh, Rock eventually gets to the ropes um, after they do the whole, you know, drop the hand once, drop the hand twice, drop the hand the third time, but he, he stops himself, um, which isn't how submissions work or passing out works, but whatever. Yeah, if, I mean, if the guy's really passed out, you just kind of are supposed to call the match at that point. Yeah. Uh, the second they... The second their hand doesn't come back up the first time is when it needs to be over. Yeah. Benoit does let go, but he just drags Rock away from the ropes and gets him in that crossface again until Edge breaks it up with a kick and punches Eddie. Uh, Benoit punches Edge in the fucking throat. Did you see that? Yeah. He just yeah. like punched Edge in the goddamn throat and then threw him out of the ring. I was like, ah, oh, God, <laughs> damn. Yeah. Uh, we get some stomps to the Rock. Eddie's tagged in for a two count body slam. Eddie is up top for that frog splash. But Edge swipes his feet out from under him. Eddie takes that bump off the top rope, like on his shoulder. Ooh, yeah, that was ugly. Yeah, that was ugly. That was a rough bump. Uh, Edge gets the hot tag, clothesline to Eddie. Another clothesline to Eddie. A clothesline to Chris Benoit. Back body drop to Eddie. The winning Edge to Eddie. Uh, Benoit is whipped to the corner and gets hit with the spear. Uh, he goes to spear Eddie, but Eddie tries to like sidestep, so Edge hits the corner. But Edge actually stops himself before he goes shoulder into the post. Uh, execution on Eddie for a two count when Benoit breaks it up. Rock comes back with some punches to Benoit and a rock bottom and a spear to Eddie Guerrero for the win. Yeah. Actually, he actually won a match with a spear this time. Finally. Fuck. Which I think was a good call because even before it was his finisher, it really felt like it was still his most over move. Yeah. Uh, Brock Lesnar, he slides in the ring. He's staring the rock down. And Rock... Uh, he just he kind of tells Edge he's like Edge you need to get out you don't want to be a part of what's about to happen uh, and they're kind of staring each other down they're talking shit and eventually Rock snaps and he punches Brock Lesnar oh my god these two finally collide after feuding for a month they've never touched other than global warning but technically that doesn't count um, <laughs> so Brock comes back with a knee to the ribs and shoulder checks in the corner uh, and it seems like oh no Rock's fucked those ribs uh, they're not going to do him any favors Mm -hmm. uh, Rock does start to come back though with some punches and he spit punches Brock and Brock sells it the same way he sold that sweet chin music on Raw uh, and he flies to the outside of the ring and Brock wants to get back in the ring but Heyman's like hugging him from behind he's trying to hold him back he's like Brock you don't want to do this not now you wait till SummerSlam and that is the end of SmackDown we are officially geared up for SummerSlam 2002 guys what was your favorite segment okay um I'm trying to be fair. I really want to be fair. Because you don't want to say something with Kurt Angle. I don't want to say Kurt Angle again, but... What was your favorite segment? I really like Kurt Angle, though. That was your favorite one, him and Ray? <laughs> I just, because... I just... He, the, he looked at the camera with such perfect timing, his expression, his delivery. I mean, like, I it's, one, it's once again a case of, like, Ray by himself is still, like, not really good at this. But, like, Kurt... Yeah. Kurt brings up every segment he's in so much. And I don't want to say anything with The Rock because honestly, The Rock's promos the last while have been very lackluster for me. Mm. Um, 
I mean, I will say this. The Funaki segment was probably the most I've ever liked Nidia. Uh, but, She's coming around to you, bro. I'm telling you, by the time she turns face in 2004, you're going to be cheering for Nidia. Okay, well, we'll see about that. No, oh, I know you're, you're I'm already for, cheering for Unfortunately, her. you're probably right. Oh, hell yeah, bro. And I'll have to start saying y'all unironically. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got to say, I'm split between the Funaki and Nidia segment and, see, and the Kurt Angle and Ray segment. But I, I guess I lean toward Kurt Angle only because I just think Kurt Angle's just hilarious, man. He's, he's so good. He is. Uh, Damon, what was your favorite segment? Oh, without, without a doubt, Funaki and Nidia. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Yes. Funaki and Nidia cracked me up so much. I feel like, like I, okay, I'm not going to lie. Part of me feels like I should be answering Funaki and Nidia, but I'm just, like, biased, if I'm perfectly yeah, honest. Yeah, because you hate Nidia. I just, I like, I would like her more if she would dress differently. Are you slut-shaming right now, Dean? You know, maybe I am. <gasps> um, now Dean's canceled. Yeah. Dean! I got canceled for saying, uh, accidentally saying things I probably, I wasn't, listen, okay. <laughs> I literally wasn't trying to make a joke when I kept stuttering trying to find the word to say. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's just how it happened. And I did you know, get canceled. I have uh, lost my sponsorships. Um, a, li- a likely story. Uh, but yeah, definitely Funaki with Nidia and Molly was my favorite segment. Close second would be Rock uh, with the PA. I thought that was Oh, fun. I didn't think about that one. I liked, I really like that one too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and tri- Triple H's promo backstage with Bischoff was good. Yeah. Uh, albeit short. Um. Favorite match? Uh, what would you guys say, Dean? Uh, Hurricane and Shannon Moore against Jamie Noble. And, really? Uh, Jamie Noble and uh, uh, crap, who was the other one? Uh, Tadgers, Tajiri. Yeah, Tajiri. Yeah, I know it might sound weird, but that's the one that sticks out the most in my head, believe it or not. That's fair. Damon, I already know your answer, but go for it. I'm going to tell Dean, though, in the audience. Shut, up, shut the fuck up. Well, it's Kurt Angle and Billy Kidman. You know, that was that was a solid match. That was a solid match. Um, personally, I had a hard time finding a match that really stood out these two episodes. Um, the the hardcore six man six minute thing was fine up until like the last minute and a half, which is a you know, that's a, almost a third of the match. So I mean Yeah. Um Kidman versus Angle was fun, even though it had a bit more fuckery than I would enjoy in a match. Yeah. Um, also, wasn't very long. I might have to lean towards the tag match that I did make the joke would probably be my favorite match. But um, just all four of them are so damn good at what they're doing. Yeah. And I appreciate Shannon Moore didn't do the Whisper in the Wind that much. Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't even think about that. He didn't do his god-awful <laughs> abortion of a Whisper in the Wind. Can I say that? <laughs> Well, you know, details, details. Who knows? I'm already canceled. Can't get more canceled. Forehead. Um, Just double down now. Yeah. So that's it for this episode. But we're not exactly done because I feel like this is important. We're leading into our first, like, official pay-per-view. Global Warning was was like, eh, you know, you can call it a pay-per-view if you want. It was a big show. It was a big show nonetheless. It's a big show. But... uh, (laughs) We're going into SummerSlam 2002. I'm going to run down the card so people can get hyped like I'm hyped for personally. Um, and I'll run, I mean, I'll run it down in order. I mean, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, because a lot of people probably watching this have an idea of who wins anyway. So, well, no, no, no. I mean, I'm not going to tell them who wins and shit. But yeah, well, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but we will see opening the show 
um, Kurt Angle is going to take on Rey Mysterio. Uh, we right after that we'll get our first Raw match as Chris Jericho is going to take on Ric Flair. Uh, we'll get Eddie Guerrero taking on Edge. We'll get our first title match of the night as the Un-Americans defend the WWE Tag Team titles against Book Dust, Booker T, and Gold Dust. Intercontinental title match. Who, which brand is going to get the Intercontinental title? It will be Raw's Rob Van Dam, or will SmackDown keep it with Chris Benoit? Undertaker will take on Un-American Test. After four years, Shawn Michaels comes out of retirement, not necessarily for a match, but for a fight, an unsanctioned street fight with Triple H. And the main event, The Rock defends the WWE Undisputed Championship against the next big thing, Brock Lesnar. Guys, could you tell me what match you're most excited to watch? Well, I'm going to make a caveat. I'm going to say the one I'm most excited for other than Shawn and Triple H. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um... I actually really want to, I don't know how long it'll be, but I really want to see Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio. I'm uh, right there with you, Dean. So I've seen that match before. I may have said it on the podcast. I think I have. It's less than 10 minutes, but it's a damn good match. See, that's the thing about like Rey Mysterio and Kurt Angle. They usually don't have super long matches against each yeah, other. Yeah, because Mania 22, they kind of got shafted. Yeah, they, they did. Had that like, that like 12 minute triple threat that had Orton in it. Yeah. Um, I think I think it was because uh, Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon went over in that yeah, fight. That's probably why. And um, they didn't want to cut John Cena and Triple H short. Right. Uh, Damon, you said it's also Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio? Yeah. Yeah, I think it might be important to put in, put in that caveat of in, in, what match you're most excited for, not counting Triple H and Shawn Michaels, because I think all three of us have seen that match at least once. I know I've seen it multiple times. It's fucking awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Definitely. I am going to say RVD versus Chris Benoit for the uh, for the Intercontinental title. That would have been my next one. Uh, I am excited to watch that match because I know both those guys can fucking go. So yeah, that's the SummerSlam 2002 card. And I, are, I oh, 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 I'm sorry. One more thing. I think we should also take up what Stephanie said and see whether the now. In fairness, some of these aren't just Raw or SmackDown matches. But I think we should try and see which brand puts on better matches overall. I think just by looking at the card, I could probably fucking tell you. Yeah, uh, but you know, talk. let's yeah, but let's let's save it for the show, man. Okay, that's fair. Um, but that uh, is these. God damn, I'm trying to. Because here's the thing, Damon. I got this like great like go home, uh, like little thing that I was gonna hit him with. But you guys are like, oh, I want to talk on the podcast too. It can't just be one person podcast. So you guys have to talk. So go ahead. What do you want? I wanted to shout out our dad for getting us these those microphones. He always helps us out with shit. And like, no, we never. No, no. I'm, I'm laughing because I went on that fucking tirade, and you're like, "I want to thank my dad for something." Uh, <laughs> it's like makes me look like a real asshole, huh? Yeah. Jesus. Anyway, not only will we be doing SummerSlam, we'll have new audio equipment. That's true. If we figure out how to work it, I think I think I got it figured out. So that's good. Yeah. So anyway, thank you. Yeah. From all three of us. You. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you guys didn't hear it, but I did mouth into the Zoom call motherfucker when he said one more thing. Um, <laughs> that is the card for SummerSlam 2002. We are Ruthless Recap for uh, Damon. Good night. And Dean. See you at SummerSlam. We'll see you 
at SummerSlam 